Everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the What's Good Games podcast. This is not your weekly source of video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. Instead, it is the long-awaited spoiler cast for Life is Strange 2. I am joined in studio by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher is also joining us. Hello. And I'm Andrea Renee. Welcome. I am very excited to finally talk to you ladies about all of these decisions. So we made the call last year after kind of going back and forth about when we were going to do the spoiler cast uh, to just wait until all five episodes were completed. And I'm glad that we did because now we can talk about it all at once. And we even have a very special interview with uh, Michelle and Jean-Luc for the Don't Nod team. Uh, We're going to sprinkle in some stuff from them as well. So we hope that you guys enjoy. Obviously, this is a spoiler cast. I don't think I need to say (laughs) It's going to be filled with spoilers. spoilers. (laughs) So if you haven't finished all five episodes, I highly recommend you do that first. Or if you're like, yo, I'm never going to get there. Just know we're not holding anything back. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, both Brittany and I kind of put little synopsis, 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 synopsis. Sopsies, I I think that's what it is. No Uh, idea. (laughs) Together about each of the five episodes because we can't go into every single um, decision that's made across all five episodes because we'd be here forever. Yes. (laughs) And some of them obviously are less impactful than others, but we're going to kind of hit the highlights. So just as a refresher, if you guys haven't played in a while, uh, Life is Strange 2 is a story about a journey of two brothers. They are Sean and Daniel Diaz that starts in Seattle, Washington and ends up in, well, I guess it ends up where it ends up, depending ends up on which question ending you get. Mark. Question mark. Well, it's intended <laughs> to end up in Puerto border, Lobos. Sort of. Sort At of. least in that area is where. Mexico is where they're trying to get six, to. Or six feet under or, yeah, yeah in prison. It's great. Yeah. Very There's happy. a lot of options this time around to, to decide, like, how your ending is going to, to go. Because the first one really had, like, two endings. So that was it. Yeah, it was very, yeah, are you going to, you know, flip the lever this way or that way? I was (laughs) like, clearly, I feel like it should be one way, but apparently not. Well, how you flip that lever actually dictates what happens in some things in episode five, which we'll get to. So let's start, shall we? Yes. With episode one, Rose. Wait. I just said Uno. Uno? (laughs) Episode (laughs) Uno. Well, that works too. Um, So we... Start out in Seattle, we get to meet Sean and Daniel in their home with their father, Esteban. And this kind of sets the stage for the relationship with Sean and Daniel that's going to follow. Um, There is an altercation with a neighbor boy outside where there is a little incidence of bullying. Big brother, Sean, comes to Daniel's rescue. But then that's where shit kind of goes sideways. So their father comes out to kind of get involved and then there's a bunch of yelling, and it looks like this boy has been hurt. And then, you know, 
long story boring, Daniel's powers emerge after his father gets shot by this police officer. And um, that's when, you know, the story really kind of kicks off. So when you guys first kind of set up the relationship between Sean and Daniel, did you guys set out to be a good big brother? Or were you like, hey, you know what, do what you want. I don't care. I think uh, I played it how I imagined I would be, which is go away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be bothered with you. I mean, I feel like any teenager, regardless of male or female, like that's not a time when you really want to bond with anyone who's a different age, unless they're a little, a little older and not a lot older. Like you as a teenager tend to be, you're like, no, no, I stick with like this, this small demographic and maybe a few years up. But like down, absolutely not. <laughs> so that's how I kind of felt he would naturally be. Maybe I just haven't been around a lot of teenagers. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that's how I felt it would go. And so I played it that way regardless. I knew obviously like something bad was going to happen. But I like this. This is what felt true to me. Oh, that's sweet. Not really. Is it? I, I was like, it's actually pretty not sweet. <laughs> no, it, so you actually got into character. So it's one of the things I really liked about playing the first Life is Strange was I felt like as a wise and old adult, I got to guide Max and make decisions that I think would be more beneficial. And decisions maybe someone who's already gone through high school, been there, done that, would experience rather than someone who's caught up in the social shenaniganry of high school bullshit. So I was like... You are going to be a good brother, Sean. You are going to be patient. You're going to be firm and you're going to let him be a little kid. So that's how I played it. I Daniel did, you know, he was kind of annoying, he, but he was a good annoying. He was like an appropriate level of annoying. He wasn't like over the top. He was realistically annoying, but I yeah. found that even that was too much for me sometimes. No, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I, if that were me in real life, I don't know if I could have done it, but I'm just sitting back on my nice cozy couch with a controller in my hand. So I had a little bit more patience. Fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, I'm I'm with the I see both sides of it. I see Steimer's angle of being like, I just can't be bothered because it's not my responsibility. But at the same t- at the same time, it's like, well, what am I going to do? Let them take my my brother away. You know, my mom has abandoned us and like he's all I have left now, like dealing with like the shock of like watching your father getting shot and kind of dying in front oh, of you. I meant before everything like the yeah. the little bit before. After I definitely played him a little bit mm. uh, more fatherly because I feel like after events that intense, you would naturally have to change your personality. But I think before when he's trying to just be regular teenage boy, that was when I was like, no, no, go away. Like, get out of here. Like, I can't be bothered with you. You are my kid brother. Oh, um, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't play him that way. The whole, oh, my God. I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. I Stanley. mean, I have some- <laughs> Not in this instance. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about leaving Seattle. Um, Unless there are specific questions or decisions, Bert, that you think we should go over in Seattle. No, not really. I mean, while it it does set the scene, and it's very intense, I think it's one of the most uncomfortable opening scenes. or One of the most uncomfortable scenes in the entire game, actually, is that opening part. It doesn't really play a huge part, so... I no, mean, it I does agree. in the sense that it moves everything forward without it. But yeah, okay. There's actually, a literary here's... term for that, right? For like a a big narrative it's a catalyst arc catalyst. I thought catalyst. there was like a specific literary term. It's John Drake be. when you need him, he would He's know exactly what this is. Um, <laughs> so I did have one regret about the opening. I wish I would have stolen the money out of the jar, and I didn't. 
And I, after everything went down, was like, dang it, if I had actually just stolen the money, first off, my dad would never have found out, and then I would have been much better off for the next scene. But I did the right thing and didn't steal the money. You know, that's life. Sometimes you do the right thing and you get hosed for it. Ain't Mm -hmm. that the truth. Uh, What did you ladies think about Lila, Sean's friend? I I thought she wanted the D. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I know she was They were about to be friends with benefits before this game. Absolutely. Yeah. I know she was playing matchmaker between him and Jen, but I got this feeling of, no, she wants your nuts, but you're just a dumb young kid and you don't know any better. Yep. Yep. That's how I felt too. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get as much of a connection to her. Um, I didn't end up speaking to her or calling her at any point, um, in the series. Um, but there was like a sense of remorse having to like walk away from literally everything and everyone, you know, because you have this sense of obligation to protect your family, even though it's not what you want to be doing right now. Um, so after they leave Seattle on the run from the police, they are sleeping out in the wilderness and they come across a gas station. So in this gas station is when they run into Hank and Doris, I believe, who are like a husband and wife team that are running it. And they also run into Brody um, here as well. So how did you ladies play out your time in the gas station? Did you steal anything? Did you buy anything? Did you get supplies? Did you eat? What happened? I tried to keep him as orderly as possible. So I didn't, I stole something at the very end of this episode. Uh, I think it was this episode. Maybe it was the second one. The camping gear? I don't gear. remember. The camping gear. Yeah. I stole camping gear. I do not remember exactly when that happened. But at the end, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was at the end when, like, you already know these are terrible people. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't care that I'm stealing this fucking sleeping bag from you. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Um, but otherwise, I didn't steal anything before that. I was like, no, no. I'm going to keep keep things to the book because, again, in my mind, logically, I'm like, if I do get caught by someone, like, the last thing I need is more marks on my record if only <laughs> of, of bad yes. things that I have done. So, uh, so yeah, camping gear at the very end when I was like, man, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. You're I'm going to need to sleep outside. Anyway, I may as well be comfortable. I don't have the money for this. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going. I also didn't steal anything because in my mind, I'm like, well, if I play this right from the very beginning, like Simer, maybe, you know, they won't get me for theft. Maybe I won't stick out like a sore thumb. Maybe if I don't steal anything, they won't call the cops and maybe I won't get busted. I don't know. All these things are going through my head. Uh, so I played it like Simer did, but I thought Brody at first was a freaking creep. You know, he's sitting in this little yes. gas station on this laptop looking at, I don't know, I guess it turned out to be nudist colony stuff. And then little Daniel like shuffles over and he's like, what are you looking at? Oh, is that dirty stuff? And I was like, oh no, sir. What are you doing? I was worried. I was like, is he going to be a pedophile? How dark are we going here? <laughs> what are we doing? With Life is Strange Well, I mean, too. after everything that happened in the first Life is Strange, I feel like nothing's too dark because that got really dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was with you that I had some like flashbacks of, you know, the, the creepy professor or whatever from the original. But I'm glad that he turned out to be a good guy. But I felt like I never quite believed that he was going to be good. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Same. Because he ultimately helps the boys escape from the gas station, right? So, like, they run away, and then he, like, gives them a ride, and that's where they meet Mushroom, the puppy, and... Um, I was so irritated. <laughs> that was so irritating to me. He's that like, the dog took, took the, the puppy? Dog. And I was like, yeah, because that's what we need. We need another <laughs> thing, another bit of responsibility right now. Thanks very much. Not only do I have to take care of you, child, now I have to take <laughs> care of this puppy, which is adorable, sure. But I but- got enough stress. 
happening right now. I don't need a puppy on top of it. How dare you? I hate you. Why are you? Don't you listen to me? Kids are stupid. And rant. No, it's true. Daniel had the right response in the beginning. He said, or Sean, sorry. He said, we don't need another dog. We don't need a dog. This is a huge responsibility. I was like, right. yeah, good job. I thought the dog was going to be kind of like a cute little, you know, joke maybe. Like, you think you're getting a dog, but you're not haha video games. But oh, no. Yeah, oh, no, kid. you get a dog. Oh, you get a dog. <laughs> Whether you want the dog or not, you get the dog. Yeah. And she's very cute. She mm-hmm. is. She's sweet. I, Mushroom is a weird name, but, you know, that's okay. Um, I think that something that we didn't talk about in addition to, you know, talking a little bit about Hank and Doris and why they were bad is just how, you know, in your face, Don't Nod was with tackling the idea of Mexican-American racism, like right away from this first episode. Obviously, the Diaz family is of Mexican heritage. Um, They made that clear in the very beginning. There's a lot of um, Spanish language moments that happen in all five episodes, um, and they do touch on that racism, that underlying idea that they don't belong here and they're not here despite the fact that they're American citizens quite a few times over this series. Did you ladies think that it was heavy-handed or did you think that they handled it with the amount of tact that was necessary? I think I was a little, I mean, maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, Brittany, but I was surprised to see it so blatant in like uh, in Washington State. Like even if it was sort of Hicksville, I feel like Washington in general is a bit more liberal in the way that they think. Um, so I was surprised to see it so early on. Uh, not necessarily with the cops, because cops can be really dumb. <laughs> but uh, but like with people out, you know, uh, they, this was still, I think, technically Washington. Or if it wasn't, it was still, it was Oregon. Like it's still kind of out there. I was, I don't know. I was surprised to see it there. I wasn't surprised to see it in general, because I do think that it very much exists and is prominent. I just tend to think of it in other areas uh, more. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, as much as I, yeah, you're right. Washington is very liberal, but definitely, you know, there are some pockets of some. I think of that as more Eastern. Sorry if you're. No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) More Eastern, but also more like South too of uh, like Seattle, like where the kids may have been. Because I think by that point they'd been walking for two days or so. So there are some like areas where I'm thinking like, well, maybe they could be here. But I mean, the the reality is there's just assholes everywhere, right? That's true. And Hank, uh, at first, you know, I was like, okay. Like, you know, you you know what these kids are being hunted for. You, apparently, they killed a police officer. So, of course, you're going to lock them up. But then when he was like, well, maybe I should call ICE and see if you're legal or something like that. I was like, sir. Sir. <laughs> sir, excuse, excuse me. me. Sir, excuse me. You don't need to do that. And, as you know, as far as, like, the tact goes, I guess it's hard for me to speak to that because I, I mean, I think it's tacky as hell, obviously, but I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. So... It was interesting. I think I meant to pull an email. This is my bad for not getting it from someone who was Mexican-American and they were talking about this, but they sent it like a year ago, right? When this first episode came out. So I think it's buried in my email. So my bad. That's all right. If you can find it by the end of the spoiler cast, great. If you can't, don't sweat it. Okay. Um, so let's kind of get to the end of episode one and move on to episode two. So um, and Brittany, in this doc that you pulled with all of these questions and kind of the percentages, um, I think the one to me that is obviously the stands out as like the biggest difference is Daniel and lies. Yeah. This idea that you promised Daniel you won't lie to him again or you said you'll try to be honest. Yeah. So you're outside. Sean is outside and he comes back inside the hotel room. This is after Brody's help set you up. And Daniel sees on the 
on the news, their dad dead. You know, it's the news story. And he's like, dad's dead. And everything's swirling around him. And then they have this emotional moment and they have a conversation. And Daniel's like, yo, dog, yo, big brother, please don't lie to me again. And then it's that moment. Do you promise not to lie or do you say you're trying not to lie again? I assume because the breakdown here is 91% that I probably promised him I wouldn't lie again. <laughs> Even if that was a lie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of like tough part about some of the dialogue that was written here. It's like a lot of times when you get into these narrative choice adventure games, sometimes there just isn't an option for what you would actually want to say. Yeah. You just kind of have to pick the thing that is closest and... I think the idea that you're promising him not to lie again is something you say to kids all the time. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> like, when he's like eight, nine. You're like, you're like dog. yeah, totally. No, I'm never going to lie to you again. How will you ever know you're right. eight or nine? Like, you're not a real person yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are. But, but you're not. Your, your, pro- your morality you are, meter not. might not be quite there, which is what you're building throughout this whole game. So You're not fully yeah. cooked. Yeah, not, not fully baked yet. Yeah. Keep it in the oven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, very impactful first episode, and then we had to wait a little while to get episode two, Rules. So this is quite a different tone than the first episode because it's a lot more uh, world building and relationship building. There isn't like a a giant moment, I think, uh, of action, which I was actually kind of glad for. So the boys are out in the woods. They found this abandoned house to live in with mushroom and they're eating canned ravioli and mm. kind of walking around, kind of like just living almost like boxcar children. Which, oh, yeah, they kind awesome. of did. Right? Fucking yeah, I was like, you could just, I mean, yeah. here's my thing for the beginning. I, if something like this had gone down, my first instinct would not be, let's run to Mexico, which is really fucking far away. It would be turn around, go north and go to Canada because you'd be there in a day and a half. And especially from Seattle, I'm like, I'm sure they would grant you amnesty. It's Canada. They're really nice there. No, probably not. If I was going to think of a country that would protect me, if I was a Mexican heritage citizen. It's just more of getting uh, out of the country as soon as possible. True. Is my my thing. And hiding. And just go hide in Canada for a really long time and hope that eventually you can get a flight from Canada to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Or a boat. Or get a boat. I don't know. But I would just be like, get off American soil immediately. (laughs) I think we discovered that we'd be very bad fugitives. Yes. I would. This is why I, this is why I I obey all rules. <laughs> I don't want to ever have to think about it. Um okay, so uh, Brittany, uh, did you kill the cougar or did you not kill the cougar? What happened in your playthrough? Well, let's talk about what happens to little mushroom. Yeah. Before we go so to the cougar. You okay. Wake, you wake up and little mushroom is scratch on the glass cuz she has to go potty. And so Daniel and mushroom go out and you kind of dink around the house a bit as Sean. And you're like, "Okay, I need to go get those two. Go out you follow the tracks. You see Mushroom's collar, her little handkerchief, just kind of sitting in the snow. Bad omen. I, I knew at this moment it was not going to be good. So you keep walking, you keep walking, and then you turn the corner, and then you see Mushroom's lifeless bloody body. And you see a cougar kind of crouch in in front of it, well, behind the body, and then Daniel is facing both of them. And then at that, op- at that moment, you have the opportunity to encourage Daniel. To, well, I don't know if it's an encouragement, but go ahead and kill the cougar or tell him to not kill the cougar. And at this moment, this is like what's going through my head. I'm like, this is a very hungry animal. This was a little puppy. Granted, it sucks that Mushroom is dead because Mushroom is very dead at this point. But the cougar is probably hungry. This is just a fucking circle of life, man. Daniel killing the cougar solves absolutely nothing. It just teaches him in that moment that he can use his powers in moments of extreme anger 
to har- her, like hurt or harm something. So I was like, this is not going to end well if I tell him to kill it. So I stepped in front of him and I was like, no, I'm going to wave a stick at this beast. And oh, hell no. I told him to kill it. But it really? was mostly because I was I was like, this is a dangerous animal. I don't know what he's going to do. We have no weapons, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shaking a stick at it could work or it could fucking eat me. <laughs> so I was like, you have powers. I mean, it's dangerous. Like, and I'm not somebody who's like violent towards animals usually, but it was more of like, if I'm panicked, if I've seen it's just killed something in front of me, if he and I are the only other things living around that could possibly want to eat, uh, even if, I mean, I wouldn't have like done what he did, but just like fling it maybe like, you know, just force push it away. How does Would have been acceptable. It? Does he just like crush he, it? He like, he like snaps its neck. Nice. And cool. I think I think that's what he does. I'm pretty sure. And I remember yeah. just being like, "Woof! All right. I mean, you didn't need to, you didn't need to do that with it." But just what's a more humane way to kill it? I think that's a pretty humane way to kill an animal. Again, I was saying he didn't necessarily need to kill it, but it was just more of like could get it, it out of the could vicinity, have scared it off, punt right. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. If, after- if a cougar got force pushed. 100 feet back. I don't think it's coming for us anymore. I think it's going to go home. Yeah. And it was sad because we didn't get Mushroom's body. Because then the cougar, yeah. like, picks her leg up and drags her off in the woods. And it was very sad. Yeah. I also did not kill the cougar because in my mind I was like, well, the cougar's probably starving. Humans have probably pushed it out of its natural habitat. This is the dog that we- is another mouth to feed. It's probably better that it's gone. I wasn't mad that the, that the cougar killed the dog, to be clear. <laughs> I agree with this. I agree with that. Like, yes, that circle of life. It was more of I felt in danger and I did not want to deal with a dangerous animal. No, that's fair. Understood. Understood. Um, Okay. So after that terrifying incident, uh, the boys decide, hey, we're almost out of food. We got to go. Let's try going to see our grandparents and see how it goes. And And so. Sorry, real quick. Daniel was sick, right? That was also part of the. Yes. yes. For them moving. Okay. Yeah. Because Sean was like, yo, dog, get, you're not getting better. You have this cough. Like, you need some some medicine. And we just, it's probably time. It's probably time for us to just, you know, show our face. And so they decide to go visit their grandparents, Stephen and Claire, who are next door neighbors to one Captain Spirit. So we actually briefly meet these two. Uh, where we meet Claire in The Adventures of Captain Spirit. And then we see them. In kind of like the post credit scenes of Captain Spirit. And so we know that they're going to cross paths and that Chris is part of this universe. And so I'm really glad we had this cool moment where Daniel gets to kind of be a kid again. So they show up at the house and Daniel and Claire, or excuse me, Stephen and Claire are rightly like, yo, where have you guys been? We saw the news. What's going down? Yeah, okay. What's <laughs> happening? And um, like, no, no, we're not. So how did you ladies approach your relationship with the grandparents? Were you open and honest with them? Were you like, let's keep Daniel's power secret? Did you want to get close to them? Oh, I kept everything a secret. Um, I didn't really want to get super close to them because I had a feeling we would need to be moving on. Again, In my, <laughs> I felt like they stayed everywhere way too long for me, for my comfort level of being a fugitive on the run. <laughs> I'd be like, no, 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 we got to go. <laughs> we don't have time to sit here and talk to you. Um, but since uh daniel was sick and whatever they had a reason to stay i was like okay we're gonna be as polite to these people as possible we're mm-hmm. gonna follow all of their rules but we're not gonna like hopefully get too comfy here because i you know realistically we're not gonna stay yeah that was the thing that was always going through the back of my mind is how the f- is this gonna end like how are we gonna you know they 
I know they like to paint a pretty picture. Everyone's all cute and cozy and comfy in their nice bed and cute jammies. But you know that shit's coming to an end real quick. But yeah, when yeah. it came to talking to Steven, I think I lied about his power. And 49% of people confessed to Steven about Daniels. 51% pretended you didn't know anything. Because I was like you, Simon. Like, the less people know, the better for our sake and their sake. But yeah, yeah, I was a very, very good kid. I did all my laundry. I did all my chores. I picked up when I could. Thanks, friends. I can't remember if... I told him about the powers or not. I did use them to save Steven. For, like when Same. the armoire or whatever falls, falls on him. Yeah, I did too. I was like, just help him. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> but just do it quickly and quietly. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't, I, but I can't remember if I, if I lied to him or not. I think, yeah, that was also a good way to show Daniel that it's okay to use your power for good reasons like this, as long as it's, you know, discreet. And I think that was a, I think that was a decision that comes into play later on when you're building your little brother. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when and you're Lincoln Logs building. Your <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll get into yeah we'll get into the education events um, in, in just a little bit. But um, so I also like kind of kept it a little reserved because I didn't know what to make of, of Claire and Stephen. And I like how they touched on this idea of religion in the home and being in somebody else's home with a religion that's different than yours or something you might not believe in, and like how you would respond, how you would act. Because um, I think it can sometimes be a really touchy thing if you're at somebody's house and they like all hold hands to say a prayer and you're like, wait, I don't know what this prayer is and I don't know what we're doing, but do I go along with it? Do I not? Do I make a scene? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in that situation, do you go along with it or do you not? What's your personal experience? I always go along with it. I'm in their house I may not know what's going on, but so long as we're not about to do a ritual sacrifice where we're killing someone, yes. I think like, what's the harm in holding people's hands and like saying you're, you're grateful for what you have. That's there, there's no reason to not, in my opinion, unless right. you're just being a real stubborn asshole. Uh, like just say it, just, just go along with it. You don't even need to believe it, but if it makes them feel better, that's the least you can do for them. Yeah. I have the exact same mentality. I'm not religious, but when it came to the game, I was like, okay, yeah, hold hands, make everyone feel good, give Daniel a little morale boost maybe, make him, you know, feel comforted, I guess, for the 30 minutes of comfort he has during this entire fucking game. Yeah, Um, and he should also learn that, again, sometimes you do things because they're important to other people and not necessarily to you. Societal right? Yeah. Uh, So I did in the game as well, but normally in person I don't. (laughs) Full, Full truth. Because I'm just like, I'll sit there quietly and not say anything. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's just part of me that's like, I feel like I'm doing something false. So I just don't. I mean, I would hold their hands. I wouldn't say the prayer probably in real life. I like holding people's hands. Yeah, it's nice. I don't mind it's a nice hand. gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I want to complete the circle. I don't want them to feel like, <laughs> like there's a weird missing link. Um, what did you guys think about Daniel and Captain Spirit being friends? I thought it was adorable. It was I was really like, cute. thankfully, I'm just, just glad he had a friend that was his age. Go play with your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be mean, that parent. I'd be like, go. Just go. Go play with your toys. Go do this, do that. Mm-hmm. But this is the, I, I kind of have an issue with the beginning of the game where it's like, why would you run? But I get your panicked teenager. Maybe. I don't know. But this is the game where I had like the, the, the episode where I had the biggest issue with, I think, the game. And that was when, you know, everyone's all buddy-buddy. Daniel and Chris are cute. Chris's dad, what's his name? Charles. Charles. They're all hanging out. And they're like, hey, we're going to go. And maybe we're going to get into this in a second. But we're going to go to a tree farm. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was like, oh, no, you're not. And there's no option to stay home. 
And I feel like if you're a fugitive on the run, the last thing you do is you go to a tree farm with these people, this friend you just met, where you put your face out in public. Right. Yeah, especially because I I feel like, granted, this episode was a while ago that I, when I played it, but I'm pretty sure you had like some sort of agreement with Claire and Steven where it's like, we're going to try like mostly stay in your house yeah. or like in the very general vicinity, like backyard. And that's as far as we go. So yeah, for them to just be like, cool, guess we're going to the tree farm. I was like, this is a narrative device <laughs> because exactly, otherwise yeah. they would just be, I guess, chilling in their grandparents' house, which also feels false because where else would you look? Of course, people who are related. Like, I think they I feel did like they would have found out eventually. I think that they did say that the police did come to their house before they got there looking for them. Right. But yeah, I mean, they'd probably come back at some point. So that was just annoying because then, you know, the whole plot played out with, oh, someone saw you at the tree farm and now, you know, the police are at the door. And you're like, well, no, duh. <laughs> well, the reason I got caught and we'll talk about meeting Cassidy at the tree farm in just a second. But the reason I got caught is because I decided to try to call Lila because I didn't call uh, her at the end of the first episode. I never called her back. And Maybe, I felt ever. bad about it. And so I was like, you know what? I really want to try to get in contact with my friend. But like in hindsight, I should have known Girl, that they would have traced the call. you should know better than that. I know. I know. And so if I, I something like up. this happens, everyone's dead to you. Yeah. <laughs> you no internet browsing. Don't sign you know, everybody, everybody, um, everybody finds you. I feel though in this day and age, if you're able in like the year 2020, if you're able to find like a public payphone, that's like one of the last places oh, that you yeah. can make a phone call that's, <laughs> that's not true. traceable. Yeah, but even if they can, like they'll know your general vicinity. That's true. They'll be but. like, ah, they're in this state. And you're like, shit. Shit. Now um, I know which state I'm in. And real quick, you have a hair loop by your right ear behind your. Yeah, there no, you it's, go. The micro- it's the microphone. Oh, cord. it looks like a hair loop. And I've been staring yeah. at it. Okay. I know it does look like hair. It's just it's literally part of the microphone. I can try to tuck it in. No, no, it's fine. I, I mean, it's part of the it's part of the headset. It was winking like, at me. Um, but yeah. So the other thing too with this, I know we'll get to the tree farm. But when you when you first arrive, you have that conversation, or you have the opportunity to have that conversation with Daniel about Chris and the powers that Chris thinks he has. But Daniel's tricking him into thinking he has these powers, and the decision you make there. Oh my God! It can really impact the end of this episode. Um, but in the meantime, do you know? Did you tell Daniel to suppress to tell Chris the truth, or do you tell him that he should just like keep it a secret and let Chris continue to believe that he has these magical powers? I told him to let Chris believe. Uh-huh. The kids are at that age. Like, let him believe that he's powerful. He needs that like narrative escape into his imagination from all of the crap that's clearly happening in his household with his drunk dad and so i was like don't tell him don't take this away from him just let him let's let him have it yeah Aww. i did that too i felt really bad at the end of the episode oh because no of this. shit but i was like hey, he's fine he'll walk it off <laughs> <Just like. laughs> wait i told him but i still was able to save chris uh i mean he didn't die he doesn't die he just gets hit, he by, just a gets car. hit by a car he oh well, he didn't get hit by the car in my playthrough oh no he got hit by a car in mine yeah so because i told daniel no no yeah you can just let him believe but whatever keep it chill (laughs) and then at the end when he's like i should use my powers i was like no you should not so did in your playthrough then andrea did daniel use his power to move the cop car at the last minute yes okay because if you've encouraged daniel to not use his powers he won't so chris freaking runs out puts his hand out in front like he's gonna stop the car and protect his friends but oh no the cop just smacks him and then he just and that, my friends, is a metaphor for life. 
when you think you're oh, helping you somebody or you're helping you're actually hurting them later on <laughs> yes oh i was talking about more about the car hitting you but yes <laughs> either oh works gosh. they oh both work okay let's talk about meeting cassidy yeah. so we get to the like this little parking lot tree farm thing where they're buying a, a christmas tree and there's a couple of what are, you know, look like homeless teens, youths, young adults. It's unclear exactly like how old Cassidy is um, unless they put her age in some of the details somewhere and I just missed it. But so she's singing a song and they kind of set this up as like a like a, a, a teachable moment about ignoring people who are just kind of on the street. Because I think a lot of times when we go about our lives and we see homeless people or displaced people on the street, like just looking for help or looking for conversation. Our instinct is to just like put your blinders up and be like, I have my own business. I need to attend to, I can't stop and help you or keep walking. Especially since, you know, there are, there is an epidemic in specific regions with drug use in homeless populations. So I think that's something that don't nod did really well, kind of tackling this issue that we haven't really seen explored too much in video games before this idea of like what it means to be homeless and why they're on the street and like what their motivation is. Um, and I don't know if we ever really get a clear idea of like what Cassidy's life goals are and like what she wants to do. And I know that they had some conversations about it, but I thought that it was a really nice moment between Sean and Cassidy in the parking lot. Mm. That was unexpected for sure. I also did not expect her character to sound like that when oh yeah like the like the tone of her voice i don't know why i just expected it to be like younger sounding i guess she did have a mature voice but you know mm-hmm. maybe some shit went down in her life and it made her voice drop a few octaves <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that works no it's not but i don't I mean maybe maybe it could i'm not yeah. a scientist yeah i um so before i played episode two i had seen snippets from episodes you know three and four so when I saw Cass in the tree farm, I was like, oh, I know you're going to be a big deal. So I made sure to pay attention to her at, when I saw her. But I don't know if I would have, because maybe my blinders would have been put on. I would have been like, okay, she's just trying to get a few bucks and then go about my business, not buying Christmas presents for people. Because did you guys buy Christmas presents for anyone? I yeah, did. I, I bought one, I bought one thing for Daniel. Yeah. yeah. I bought the Christmas presents and I sat and talked with her, but mostly because... I really liked her song. Yeah. I was very pretty. And I thought, and I was like, he would definitely think she's very pretty too. So let's just, let's let's give him a little bit. A little bit of excitement. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I really tried to balance as best I could. I mean, we are the puppet masters of these people. And I was like, look, you're going to have really rough things ahead, even though you've already had a bunch of rough things happen to you. There's still more coming. So why not have these little moments when you can have them and really appreciate them? Mm -hmm. True. I agree. I stole um, a yo-yo. Oh, you oh, did? You well, I mean, it was free. It was in the donation box. Oh. Oh, I took the, oh. I took the yo-yo, too. I don't remember if I did. That's not stealing. If it's, it's free, it's you just took it. Well, you I gave took it, it from a, new a donation box that was not intended for me. But, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, it's I like, think oh, I remember this moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay, 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 there you okay. go. Got it. So you took it away from some other child. To give to your child. Not yeah, your essentially. Child, yeah. So I don't know that that really counts. Does it? Because like you're Probably still, not. the intended purpose is still the same. Uh, I to, agree. to make a needy child happy. Exactly. I feel like you did that. So Thanks, I Samer. feel like you're probably okay. Good. <laughs> Morality wise there. There. 
good, good. Um, so that kind of brings us, um, since we already talked about Chris and the police officer, it kind of brings us to the end of episode two. Um, obviously, after this scene in the uh, with the Christmas tree, you go back. Um, Chris and his dad go to their houses at their tree up. You go back. And that's when, you know, Claire and Steven are like, yo, what the hell? We told you not to leave. Where were you? Why'd you do this? And then the police show up and they try to hide you. And then obviously it does not work out. Oh, um, actually, and then, yeah, you, you go into Karen's room mm-hmm. and you get to learn about your mama. And you're like, man, you yeah, do not sound so like a good person. That was like a whole thing because he, I stayed true and didn't want, did not want to break into Karen's room. But the game kind of forces your hand at the very end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then you get to like see Karen's room and kind of figure out a little bit about who Karen is because your mom has barely been a mystery. And like even up to this point, we don't really know what Karen's motivations are. We don't learn those until episode four. So um, let's just go ahead and power through right to episode three. So you're on the run again after having had this kind of nice moment with your grandparents and with this kid next door and with this girl you met in the parking lot. Sorry, kid wow. next door. You okay. are in. Wait, so you, your Chris was fine. Chris was, Chris was alive was Chris and mine, fine not yours? hit by the car. He was fine. Yeah, Chris was, because I told Chris the truth, so he was on his swing set. So he pointed me to the troll forest path at the end of the episode. Oh, so you didn't even have the cop chase Mm-mm. chase you Mm-mm. okay yeah I, I saw that that was an option and i was like oh dang yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that was the way to go yeah so then i had the cop car chasing me and i was like daniel no and then uh chris got hit smoosh it's interesting that all three of us got different mm-hmm. different outcomes in that playthrough of that episode yeah but he's fine he's fine the kid is fine <laughs> good i mean capital f fine i don't know he <laughs> may have a few broken bones i but uh kids heal fast kids do heal fast he's he'll fine. be fine he's fine um, so episode three is called Wastelands, and this is quite a bit of a shift tonally in what's happening, because I think it gets a lot more serious, because now they're on their own, they're in this pot farm, and it was interesting, because I believe I spoke to uh, Michelle and Jean-Luc about this, because when they originally wrote the script, uh, marijuana was still only approved for sale for medical uses in the state of California, but... Mm-hmm. Once this episode was released, it had been legalized for recreational use, thus kind of making these illegal pot farms moot, in a sense. Um, And it's really changed the dynamic of commercial growing of marijuana in Northern California. So they don't exactly say this, but it's kind of hinted that it's in what's called the Green Triangle of Humboldt County um, in Northern California, if you guys are familiar with that. Didn't know that existed. (laughs) That area. um, It was really kind of where... um, certain types of medical marijuana strains were were pioneered. There is specific sections of the West Coast on the northern side in like the Oregon and Washington areas as well where there's a lot of growing happening. So I thought it was an interesting choice from Don't Nod to say, hey, we're going to really like target this well-known area in California. Um, so we come across them. They're sitting around this campfire and um, that kind of like kicks off the episode. Brett, do you want to recap this one? Um, no. And I say that. <laughs> <laughs> I look at she's like, mm, no. I okay. say no. So, <laughs> thank you. So we're sitting around this campfire and we see Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she was kind of the link. So we catch up to Cassidy and Finn, who was the guy that she was with in episode two. And they're on this farm that belongs to this guy, Big Joe. And so Big Joe's kind of like the foreman. He runs the ship and he pays all these Big, people. I thought Big Joe didn't own it. I thought he was just like the muscle. Doesn't the other guy own it? Yeah, he's the muscle. 
So who's the, what's the name who of the guy? Who owns it? I don't I know. I forget the name of the owner, but he's the guy at the very end of the episode. Okay. Um, so that's my bad for getting that wrong. Um, I'll just double check the other notes. Um, so we kind of get this different dynamic because now it kind of feels like it's a Northern California commune where there's just a bunch of young people or middle-aged people who are like, I want to get off the grid. I just want to live without responsibilities and I'm just going to work for food and work for a little bit of money that will help me keep clothes on my back and keep my, my stomach full and a roof over my head, whether it's a tent or whether it's like a trailer or whatever they're living in. And it's, um, it was an interesting, I think, look at motivations for life and kind of ambitions and kind of taking this idea that you're supposed to do this certain path, like you're supposed to go to school and then you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to get a job, you're supposed to start a family, right? Like this idea that society says you have to do X, Y, and Z in your life. And these people kind of threw that out the window to be like, I'm just going to like live out here in the middle of the woods and do nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, could I mean, could you do it? Could you do it, Steimer? For a limited amount of time, sure. But I, the problem that would get me is I like indoor plumbing too much. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's the thing where I could do like glamping or whatever, like a tiny house in the middle of the woods. That's what I could do. I couldn't do what they do in this episode where they're basically sleeping in a tent. Uh, The bathroom is just like a bucket on the ground and the other bathroom, the shower is a bucket above you of water. And I'm like, okay, I get it. And I could, if I needed to, because of course you can pretty much do anything if you are in a bind. Uh, But it's not how I would choose to live. For an extended period of time, if I had the options. I'm down to camp for a few days, but yeah, I'd, I'd prefer not to. Anyway, the guy's name is Meryl. Meryl. Okay, thank Meryl. you. Um, so my notes kind of start where everyone's sitting around the campfire. It's the day before payday, and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of passing around the booze. What? Oh, no, I was just going to say, so I went in, like, the, ver- yeah, the first night when they're all drinking whatever, and you're, you wake up in your tent before that, and it's like, he has, like, a a thousand dollars and i was like you can go (laughs) sure it's not you're not you may not have the greatest most cushy trip down to mexico but like pretty sure you can make it to mexico you could get a bus like you can i mean granted a bus would not be you need to cover your face and then you could get a bus um but i'm like you have plenty you have the money i don't know what you're waiting for child go payday baby i think they just kept i i would imagine it's more of the comfort getting kind of stuck in a rut in a sense or not even a rut but just a like, routine this is a routine yeah. and i know how to do it and i can just keep saying that we're saving and saving and going to go but really i'm writing this out as long as possible because i know what is actually out in real world land and i prefer to stay over here in the woods mm-hmm. in in somewhat of a fantasy land again yeah their little comfort yeah, sure. coziness you know it'll also come to an end real quick Mm-hmm. Um, so anywho, yeah, you're all sitting around the campfire and then they're passing around. I think it's just alcohol. It's just beer. I think. It's just beer. And you have the opportunity to drink it or to pass on it. And then shortly after to go to sleep with Daniel or to stay up late and let Daniel go get escorted by Finn to his tent. Do you remember what you ladies did? Yes. I was sober. Mm-hmm. I played Daniel I got drunk. fairly straight edge. Um, <laughs> Obviously. Because <laughs> I just felt like if I... Number one, again, I'm a fugitive. Who knows at what point the cops are about to raid this pot farm and would discover me and my brother. I need to be alert at all times. I can't. Right. I do not have time for the drunkenness. Uh, and then I went to bed with Daniel because he had mentioned already, like, you're always hanging out with everybody else. And I was like, all right, 
whatever we can go to sleep now it's fine yeah no i did the same thing too because then when you go to sleep with daniel and i remained sober which was very hard uh he talks about his anger right and you get to have kind of that heart-to-heart combo with him and throughout this episode you can tell he's really kind of looking up to finn like finn is like the cool guy yeah and poor sean's like man i just want some credit but hey that's kids for you right it, it really is. is yeah um i think i went to sleep with daniel uh because I was just like, like feeling like the big brother love, but I definitely got drunk around the campfire. Um, but I, I also like- didn't want, I knew Daniel would be like, if you're doing it, then I can do it. And I'd be like, I don't need a drunk power, super powered kid running around. That's like the last thing I need. No, agreed. Um, so that kind of leads us into the kind of the meat and the action of this episode. Um, so for the next day, um, you have, like, obviously this altercation with Big Joe. It can go one of both ways. and But really, we're here for the heist, right? So Finn's got this big idea. Uh, fucking Finn. Also, about, I'm like, this is a terrible Daniel, idea. Daniel, if he would have just done what he was told and not have went inside the house, wouldn't have been an issue. That little punk. Yeah, so there's a lot of things well, that go sideways. Out, it, play, it can play out, I think, very different <laughs> ways depending on what you, yeah. what you do. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, before we like kind of like get to like the action of the heist, there's this talk amongst the group, kind of ahead of time of like that dip, that dictates what happens with the rest of the your relationships with the rest of the people, most notably Finn and Cassidy. This idea of like, are you going along with the heist? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? I from the get go, and I maintain this with every decision, was like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. They have lots of guns. What are you even thinking? We shouldn't do this. I don't care if we're going to try to use Daniel's powers. We're, this is bad. No, no. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm with you. I think, so, I think we may be all aligned on this one. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a terrible idea. Uh, just to clarify, I was talking about when you're trying to get paid and you and you tell Daniel, just like, stay here, stay put. Oh, and oh, while oh, you're yes, getting paid, yes, yes. Daniel goes in, he snoops around, gets caught. We get right. fired. And so that's Finn uses true, that. And he's like, hey, you know, he has a lot of money. You guys could get enough money and be out of here. Right. Going back to like how sometimes in these games you don't get the dialogue quite that you want. I really wish there had been something a little more explicit with Daniel where you and Sean were like, hey, they are like on the last like we're on our last thread here. They are about to get rid of us. Can't like you need to stay here because it's important to us to keep this job and blah, 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 blah. But I feel like you're more just like stay here. Yeah. Bye. And then like I feel like. Daniel is smart enough at this point. He's seen enough <laughs> shit go down that if you explained it to him and we're like, this is why it's important that you stay outside. I understand you you may be bored, mm-hmm. but your boredom comes second to us being able to survive. Right. I feel like yeah, he would no, even get that. Of, of course. But I think also as humans, we are all guilty of making terrible decisions against our own self-interest oh sure because sometimes we don't have the wherewithal to see even one or two decisions down the line of like the domino that's going to happen from what we're about to do and i think that's obviously the case here um but i did think it was interesting how which way you decided to go with the heist depended whether or not you had this moment with finn so when i played episode three i thought that this romantic moment with finn came completely out of nowhere I was like, at no point was I ever flirting with Finn. Was there any kind of romantic interest? And I thought maybe it's just because I didn't make certain decisions along the way. Did you guys get options that were making you lean towards having any kind of flirtation or feelings for Finn? 
The only option I saw, and this was because I was watching someone else's Let's Play, was when you decide to stick around and not go to the tent with Daniel. You're hitting, hanging around the campfire, and you're having a conversation about maybe past flings or whatnot. And at that point, you can have Sean say, I'm more into girls. I think some boys are cute or something like that. But that was the only conversation I have saw. Other mm. than that, I was with Cass. But I never yeah. saw anything with Finn. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even realize there was even an option until I saw at the end of the episode and it was like you kissed Finn, you didn't yeah. kiss Finn. And I was like, "Huh? You <laughs> didn't know that was even an option." Yeah, same. But it's okay though cuz I actually really liked the moment that Cassidy and Sean had. So Oh, totally. Yeah. So, did you get a tattoo? Did you pick the tattoo or did she pick the tattoo? I picked it. Got a it. tattoo. It's a wolf. Yeah, yeah, same. I got the wolf, too. Yeah. The, We're all pretty basic. The sex scene with Cass is also really funny, too. Oh, yes. yeah. That midnight swim. Whoop, whoop. But here's what I think is hilarious. I'm like, you can have. I mean, I don't think they're using. Con- Maybe they did. I don't remember if they talked about using. He condoms. had that condom in oh, his bag true. from the last episode. But yeah, so like sexy naked. I'm freezing to death. Swim. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't be in the mood after that, but maybe I would. I don't know. Have you uh, never gone skinny dipping? Once, and it was really cold, and like it's not fun. I don't. You don't like walk out like it's a hot tub, right? You're not like, oh yeah, my god, I feel so loose like, and warm. Exactly. You're like, I am shaking because I'm so cold. What I a great like excuse to I get will, very close to somebody. That person better be a fire. Like, <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> It's not going to work because you're chilled oh. to the bone. Anyway, no, it's really yeah. cute. And then when you're done, he's like, I'm sorry. That I'm sucked. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was more like, there's no way. There's no universe in which I'm having sex in this tent. Oh, when everyone is right there. Like oh. all of oh, wait, them. So you didn't hook up. No, we did. Okay. But I'm, I'm saying for me. Oh, me oh. real life for Sean. Whatever. Sean, go ahead. Try <laughs> again. Luck. Get get your knocks where you can get them because yep. you're not going to get them later. Uh. But for if for me in real life, I'd be like, absolutely not. We are not doing this when I know everyone can hear me. Oh, well, you know, maybe different strokes for different spirit. folks, I guess. <laughs> Brittany and I are like, we we would do it. Yeah, go from the tent. Right, I mean, never I go camping with all of you. <laughs> we'll only go glamping. We'll each have our own room. Great, it'll be fine. Nice. Um. Okay, so we had this nice moment, and we kind of like it was nice to see Sean like be able to take a step back and be like, hey, like have a moment of connection with somebody because he's clearly had <clears throat> so much stress put on him, kind of thrust on him unexpectedly after, you know, the death of his father and everything that's happening with Daniel. But then, you know, you kind of come out of this like dreamy eyed moment to find out that, Oh shit, Daniel is now off with Finn and they're going to go through with the heist, even though you're very clearly were like, no. Yep. And then you've got to go Cause I'm try to stop it. So you get into Meryl's, they break into Meryl's house, um, and then you kind of meet up with them, and then this is when it all goes all goes bad. So did, did you, you take the gun or not take the gun? No. That wasn't even an option. Yeah, it wasn't an option for me either. Because they're like, for Big Joe, because so, you have to get a car to go chase after mm-hmm. them. I assume none of you alerted Big, or like, got Oh yeah, here's the Joe. option. No, so I, you stole yeah, I sabotaged. Without alerting him, 26%. You woke up Big Joe and he went after you, 14%. You sabotaged his vehicle so he wouldn't come after you. Was yeah, so I don't I know sabotaged. how you could possibly have taken a vehicle without alerting him because they forced me to break a window. Yeah, I thought that was kind of loud. <laughs> so why are yeah, you and that? that was what, so I had obviously I made sure that like the other cars, the tire was slashed and the engine was broken. But then I was like, the only way that I can 
think to get into this car because I've looked everywhere and tried to find a quiet way is breaking this window. So I'm like, I'm curious as to what the without alerting him at all is because the minute you break the window, he's alert. Maybe it has something to do with how your conversations with Big Joe go in the beginning of the episode. Oh, I maybe, didn't alert him, maybe. but I sabotaged the car. Is that what you did too? No, I sabotaged it. She said she broke in, but didn't alert him. Um, no, no, no. I'm saying that the fact that it's possible is confusing to me. Oh, I got oh, it. Oh, to okay. steal the car? I sabotaged yeah. the car, his car, so he could not chase after us. But he did get alerted when I took the other car because I had to smash the window to get into that car. So I was oh. saying to, to not alert him at all seems impossible i think you can climb in the window. back of the truck and open the back window and you can get in you unlock it that way there you go okay there you go. um that would be smarter i <laughs> it's okay I next see. time um so we get to the end of the episode where the action's kind of at its peak and now <coughs> excuse me uh you have this big decision to make about daniel and using his power because it's going to dictate what happens at the end of the episode what did you do I'm trying to rem- I think I was like, yo, dog, just go along with it. But then I think if you do that, Mara ultimately shoots him anyway. And then he lashes out. But I didn't instruct him. Don't I can't remember. I did not instruct him to do anything, even when <laughs> it looked like he had he had a gun on Finn. Part of me was like, Dear Daniel, <clears throat> life choices have consequences. Sometimes they're mortal. Um and I wasn't I didn't I wasn't totally sure i was like he probably not gonna maybe he's gonna like knock him with the back of the gun and like knock him out was kind of how i thought he Mm -hmm. might do it uh but no he's point blank with the shotgun ow um so finn's definitely dead in my playthrough and uh then daniel like freaks out obviously only you know two percent of people got finn was shot dead and daniel lashed out at sean is that well i did that was me i was one of those two percent did daniel lash out at sean Yes. Oh, wow. He was, he was, well, yeah, he basically was like, this is all your fault. And Ah. it's because you're with her and she's blood, she's poison. And so he just like super scions you. And then, um, you're knocked out. Cassidy's knocked out and injured. Uh, and Finn is dead. And Meryl's also, uh, KO'd. He's not dead, but he's out for the count. Yeah. In my playthrough, everybody was down for the count, but nobody was dead. Same. Mm. Everybody was injured, but nobody was dead. Um, so that kind of leads us to the end. Like this was probably the biggest cliffhanger of all of the episodes. Um, this idea that you kind of leave with this shot of, of Sean with this like glass in his eye and you don't know what's going to happen with Daniel. And then we wake up in episode four faith. So you wake up as Sean in the hospital. You don't know how you got there. You don't know where Daniel is. You don't know where Finn or Cassidy are. You're basically like, I'm fucked. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have this really nice, is this like a physician's assistant? Is this a nurse? He's a like, nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's helping you. His name is Joey, right? Yes. Yes, yes that's Joey. Um, and he seems like a cool dude that's like, yeah, he was nice. On your side, but also like, dude, don't get me in trouble. This is my job. I need my yeah. job. <laughs> Please don't do this to me. So uh, we, you, but we also meet Agent Flores, who is this officer who is following you, trying to get you to admit that you did something wrong and be like, do not like her. Yeah. Dislike button. Yeah, oh, I, thought, I thought you said, dude, I like her. And I was like, oh, do not <laughs> do not like her. Do not like her. <laughs> um, so how did you put play your relationship with Joey, Britt? I was cool. He liked me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was a good kid. Hospitalized, missing an eye. Uh, when it came down to having to escape, I didn't turn on him like some people did. 
I chose not to go that route. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, I, I like how he brings you your sketchbook. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, at first, I thought he was going to help us escape. I was like, oh, are you really I thought doing so, this? too. But I'm glad that he was like, yo, dog, you're a fugitive, and this is my job, and I don't know you. You mm-hmm. seem cool, but I can't help you. But I do want to take a quick aside to talk about the sketchbook. I'm, brought, I'm glad you brought that up. So this is a, kind of like the um, alternate to Max's taking Polaroids in The First Life is Strange. So now you have the sketchbook. Did it take anybody else like at a crazy amount of time to learn how to do the sketch mechanic? No. I felt like I kept drawing and it, I, I didn't realize you could go back up and take uh, more detail. Oh, and no, so I, I kept drawing. I'm like, why does drawing suck so bad? <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at this. I should just stop. Just you stop. Know, I, I, uh, I did not have that issue. <laughs> well, what it did, what did irritate me though, was I feel like I wish they would have recorded more VO lines for him. Cause he says the same thing every time when you're like going, Oh, maybe I can get more. De-. I'm like, yeah, oh, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Like, stop. Just maybe let it be quiet time when I'm sketching. No one needs to say anything. Maybe the first couple times you do it or even like the first sketch of each episode and then turn it off. Do not talk to me again about the sketches. Well, some people, Simer, didn't know how to do the sketch mechanic and they needed the guidance. (sighs) (laughs) Again, that's why I said you can do it on the first one of every episode because these episodes were very far apart. So I totally understand forgetting and being like, wait, how do I do this? (laughs) Yeah. I also just felt like that sketch mechanic didn't really add that much world building to the overall narrative. And I just kind of found it a I waste thought it of time. it was interesting only because, you know, he's still practicing. It's right. like his one constant, um, the thing that he can keep with him as normalcy from his previous life mm-hmm. throughout his life on the run. And then after this episode, it, it's a thing that he has to relearn how to do because his eye is gone and therefore... All of his perspectives are off. And, like, will he ever actually be able to draw the same way he was before? And this is yet another thing that's sort of taken away from him. And that's how I felt about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So I was in the minority. That's fine. <laughs> um, so did you tell Asian Flores that the robbery was Finn's idea yes, or your idea? Yes, it was. Yes. Fuck Finn. Yeah. I, same. I was like... I very much was angry at Finn. I was like, this is 100% his fault. I didn't felt any allegiance to him, excuse me, to him whatsoever. No. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So how did you escape the hospital? Did you hurt the, did I you hurt Joey? Nobody. Did you hurt the guard? Or did you not hurt anybody? I hurt no one. I almost hurt the guard, but then I, I if I would have made yeah, one more I attacked decision. the guard. You did? Yeah. I attacked him. Felt mm. oh, bad. Didn't try to, didn't want to, but then I like screwed up one of the hiding things in the bathroom and then he caught me and I was just like, well, hiding. Here we yeah, go. No, so I, it took me a while. I was like, how do I get into the bathroom? I don't know why it took me so long to figure out how to get into the bathroom because it was dark in there and oh. I got turned around. I closed the curtain. I don't know. I was, and then <laughs> eventually was, I was lost. I was lost in a <laughs> 10 foot hospital room. <laughs> Couldn't figure it out. Uh, but no, cause like you can kind of get the jo- the door a little open, but then he's like, you know, I need, I need more force. I'm like, okay, we need force. Let's go get some force. Uh, I did try to, I brought Joey in and he was like, yo, I can't help you. And I was like, fair enough. Go about your business. Um, and then when I got, was able to get the pull bar off, the guard said something. He was like, what are you doing in there? But I just closed the curtain again. And then like, that was it. Yeah. Went around. He never came in or said anything. Um, and then I just jimmied the window open, went out along the edge 
to the scaffolding and walked down. So on the scaffolding is where if Finn had been alive in your playthrough, you would pass another hospital room and see Finn in a bed. Instead, it was Meryl. Oh, you saw Meryl. Interesting. So I saw Finn and I was like, fuck that guy. I'm not talking to him. I'm not trying to help him escape. I'm leaving him right where he is and getting the hell out of here. Same. I didn't want him to see me. I didn't want anyone to see me. What if, you know, Flores went and talked to him? He's like, oh, I saw that kid last night. Can't be trusted. Fuck Finn. Right. Hashtag exactly. Um, so we get down uh, to the parking lot and you steal a car and then you head out to the desert and then you um, kind of take a break. You fall asleep and then your car gets surrounded by two very not nice gentlemen who are like, what the heck are you doing I out here? I call them hicks. <laughs> I mean, they are hicks. Yeah, they are. They're rude. They're not nice. And then they, you know, they essentially bully Sean, out in yes. the middle of nowhere. Um, how did you guys feel about this altercation? I hated it. Uncomfortable. I hated right? every minute of it. Yeah. yeah this and was I can't imagine of- living through something like it, even though I know it happens all the time. Yeah. And this is one of those most uncomfortable moments that I wanted to talk about during our What's Good Game Awards. Because it, it sucked. And as badly as I wanted to fight back and punch and do all that stuff, mm. I just thought, you know, don't, don't get a more of a reaction if you can try to help it and just sing the damn song and remember what's at stake here. And that's what I did. But it was really hard to do that. I didn't, ha- I was not asked to sing a song. Mm. Um, I was, I, but I also very similarly played it very cool. Did everything else that they told me to do. I didn't fight for the toy. I was like, these people, I don't know if they have a gun. I don't know if they have called anybody. If there are more people coming, I know nothing. I also know that I have an eye that is very injured. So even mm-hmm. if I try to throw a punch here, what good is it going to do me? Um, I probably will miss. And even if I don't miss, I take one out and the other tackles me. So like, there's no winning in this situation right. from, you know, when you're trying to assess all of the possibilities. And so they basically asked me to say several Spanish phrases. And I did, I actually, you know, I translated, it was like, really uncomfortable and it was like you know how do you say this isn't my country and how do you say something else and like you could say something wrong in spanish but i, I was like i'm not even gonna i'm not yeah. gonna play with you right. yeah i'll tell you what you want to hear in the hopes that you let me go it's essentially like playing dead yeah as an animal kind of you're like oh. all right i just i'm here i'm not that I exciting no fight. i got no fight in me if i have no fight in me maybe you'll leave me alone and that's kind of how it worked so yeah um, I think I had like a minor altercation with them, so I ended up singing the song. But I came out of it with the car and with and, and okay, kind of like, um, it was like uh, this Spanish song that I am not familiar with. Same, just yeah. full stop. Don't know what this song is. Okay, um, I was curious because I yeah, I, I didn't have it. I can play it for you afterwards okay. to see if you if you recognize it. So, um, so now you're kind of like up Shit's Creek. Your car won't start. You're like, well, I better get to walk in and then you kind of have this moment of um you know you're like seeing things in the desert and so you stop to take a little rest underneath the billboard and then a trucker comes along yeah i couldn't get into that truck fast enough same same i was like i "I don't care i'm getting in (laughs) i literally was just like you know what this could be a bad idea but i also will die out here in the desert if i don't get out of it so we're just going to hope to God this is a nice trucker man and not a creepy trucker man. And he gave you a sandwich. And he was a nice trucker man. I'm glad. I do like that they <clears throat> sort of turn stereotypes on their heads like that. Because um, usually it's like trucker, danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, danger, Will Robinson. 
And instead it was like, no, no, I'm going to give you a sandwich and some water and you can take a nap while I drive you to where you need to go. I was like, fantastic. There was a split second of me though, where I was like, I should just walk because I I was scared more of just having anybody having seen me. Um, But then that's also why I was like, I would not walk this close to the road. I would be walking further into the desert uh, just because I... You don't want people like, hmm, who's this kid hitchhiking? Oh, he's missing an eye. Oh, wait. I think I remember a report about, because mm-hmm. now you are so identifiable. Yeah. I Identifiable. Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Good job, baby girl. That I just Boo. felt like you would need to stay <laughs> so much further away from other human beings as possible. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Um, I was just thinking about, like you, I was just thinking about survival. So we get... Uh, from our trucker ride or from your walk into the town of Haven Point, right? And so this is where we decide, what, no, is that oh, wrong? Oh, no, no, I'm just shaking my, f- I hate that place. Your head oh. at what, what happens at Haven Point. Yeah, so we get to this town and this is kind of where you get to reconcile with Karen, uh, where you get to meet her. And I can't remember exactly, like, how they meet so, so jacob oh, oh, okay in your sketchbook jacob writes in there you know daniel is here because it's jacob's old like cult family thing oh yes so, so jacob of course as a reminder is one of the guys that was at the tree farm right so you get inside at first they welcome you with open arms of course and they're Pot using farm. daniel as Pot their farm, little yes. miracle worker right and you are like daniel yo it's me like let's get the hell out of here but lisbeth has obviously manipulated the shit out of this kid and Daniel's like, no, this is my family now. And then Sean gets thrown out of the church. And he's, like, trying to fight back. Karen's like, nah, come with me. We'll work this out. And then he's like, whoa, mom. And then that's it. Oh. Just like that. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, it's, yeah. She's a surprise entrance after getting kicked out. Because they were like, oh, crap. The brother, the brother came back. What do you guys think about Karen when you meet her? Uh, I mean... I was unsure of her, but at yeah. the same time, at this point, you kind of can't turn away help. Exactly. Yeah. Still pissed. So like, because you don't know anything about her, right? Except for what Daniel or what Sean has narrated. Um, but I was like, yeah, you're an adult. You probably have money of some amount. Maybe you can help. This is your kid too. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't disappoint. It's interesting seeing the dynamic between Sean and Karen because he was old enough to remember life with her and to remember like what it was like to have both parents in the house and to remember her leaving and really not getting any answers as to like why she left. And he's an adult now almost. And so he's very much like, I'm mad at you. You just completely ran away from your responsibilities and from us and from taking care of us. And so it was hard for me to pick that I wanted to open up care open up to Karen during those conversations. But the way that I kind of looked at it was, you don't know if you're ever going to see your mom again after this. You don't know what's going to happen with your brother. Like this is like your family. It's your one opportunity to say, Hey, like I can either just hold a grudge and be mad at you, or I can like take this time to be like, what the fuck? Like, let's talk. Yeah. I think it's always healthy to open up versus clamming up. Uh, and also, even if all that's doing is giving you a little bit of sense of closure and you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I've decided based on these conversations, I will go on hating you and like whatever, forever and ever. Like you said, you don't know if you're going to see her again. So, I mean, if this happened in real life, I do think, yes, talk to the person that you are mm-hmm. estranged with. 
Because what then I, you can at least make a more informed decision. Right. Moving forward. You won't have the what ifs. What I appreciated about her too is she was very open and honest. You can tell she wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. She was like, I loved you guys, but I needed my sense of freedom. And while that's bullshit, you know, if you have two children and you just like, I'm going to peace out one day and leave all of you in the dust, fucked up. But at least, you know, she's not trying to make it up. She's just telling him this is what it was, which True. gives Sean the ability to just accept it. And like you said, make peace or continue to hold that grudge. And she was a fascinating character. Yeah. yeah, I think that I, I liked how we got to know her even better in, in episode five. But I think, you know, when you kind of first meet her here, the sense that I got was they were trying to convey her overwhelming urge to protect and care for her children, knowing full well that their father was gone and like that they didn't have anybody. And she had to put her own selfish you know, desires aside to be like, hey, like they don't, they're alone. They need somebody to help them. And so I was glad that, you know, they kind of took that angle with her, even though I was kind of going into this episode pretty upset of being like, you can't just like walk away from your kids. Like you're like a deadbeat mom, which Mm -hmm. in and of itself, I think was a a smart narrative move to say, hey, we're going to turn another kind of trope on its head. This idea that dads walk away and that there's a lot of deadbeat dads to say like, oh, no, like women can walk away from their kids, too. Like it's not just one gender or another. Yep. So don't nod just hitting on all cylinders in this uh in this season so um did you guys take karen's help did you uh or did you refuse her help i took Uh, any help i could get yeah yeah i mean when i think this stat we're looking at this document is when you need to clean your eyeball right and she's like can i do that can i do a motherly thing for you you can be like yeah i was like sure why not this might be one of the last motherly things you do in your life so sure same i accept Knock yourself out also, I don't, I don't want to do it. And now, gross. Ugh. I, do it. I, I have a hard enough time taking out my contacts. I can't even imagine. I feel like the eye injury was like the worst. I'm so glad they didn't go super graphic with it because I was like, oh, please don't show me. Oh, I don't want to see it. Like, 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 no. like, like a hollow pus, socket. Like I don't want to see <laughs> that. Gross. If that happened to me, I would be very upset. Um. So I do want to just keep this moving along. So I'm going to kind of like. Fast forward to mm-hmm. the end of the episode when things kind of sure. come to a head. So you have this moment with Karen. You have some good conversation. She's like, hey, let's go get your brother. Let's, you know, kind of like uh, break him out of this church prison that he's in. So you go back to the church and then you have this series of events where you have to like sneak in around this guy. And Nicholas, I believe his name is. That guy's crazy. Who's kind of like mm-hmm. her lackey or whatever. And then. Yeah. You have to get to Daniel and try to convince him, hey, like, we're here to help you. Your mom is here. I'm here. Please come with us. And then you get into this power struggle with this woman, Elizabeth, who is like the head of this flock, who is very much a crazy um, religious fanatic. And then you kind of have this moment of conflict at the end with Daniel. of Like, does Daniel um, hurt Elizabeth or hurt Nicholas? Does, uh, do you? Does she get shot? Does the church light on fire? Kind of. Where were you guys at at the end of your episode? Does the church not catch fire in some of them? I think uh, it always catches fire. I think it always catches fire because it's, okay. it's the initial when you're in there and Daniel's like, you're a liar, blur, and then he goes and he does a little poof and then like the candles, <laughs> the candles fall over. And then she tries to blame it on you, which is bullshit. <laughs> Elizabeth is like, this is your fault. I'm like, uh, it's because you didn't train Daniel well enough and he oopsied and knocked the candles <laughs> over um this whole scene was really 
difficult for me on a couple of levels. One, unfortunately, there was a bit of a bug and like Sean had a walkie talkie embedded in his hand the entire time, <laughs> like vertically through it. Oh, no. And so that part, I was like, damn it. This is like a really emotionally impactful scene. I wish this wasn't happening. Um, but that aside, the so basically you kind of keep getting knocked down and you keep getting up uh, and your mom is sort of there encouraging you. But in a way, I'm like, you're just watching your kid get the shit beat out of him. And that feels a little bit weird to me. It feels like she should have taken a punch maybe at some point or or helped him more Rocky Balboa. So I don't know, like clean I, the spy. I think the whole I, act was symbol symbolic. Maybe I think maybe that's why. I mean, I agree with you. It's like you want to st- step in. But I think if she were getting punched, would Daniel care? You know, like I don't know, but at least he would see that, like, hey, this family is sticking together, and she took a punch for Sean and said, and like Daniel's Mm -hmm. still over there with these two people who are physically hurting his actual family, and he's not doing anything about it. Um, Right. I don't know. I think it would have worked. Is all I'm saying. Well, maybe (laughs) she didn't need to take all the punches. Listen, Karen means nothing at this point. She's just some blonde lady, right? Right. Yeah. But I even think Daniel at that point would, even if she was nobody, doesn't like seeing people get hurt in general. So watching yeah. someone, like the fact that these these people who are supposedly nice and kind are doing these things to hurt other people, especially people as far as Daniel knows are completely innocent and have done nothing, Yeah, are just bystanders. I think that would have been even more powerful, personally. Um. Yeah, I came out of the episode with everybody you know, not hurt. I convinced Daniel to not hurt her and to like walk away. And, um, you know, we all kind of made a great escape. Yeah, we all walked away. Um, I did give the money to, to Jacob to help Mm -hmm. his sister. Cause I was like, there's this opportunity to reconnect with him. Cause you meet his sister, uh, Sarah Lee, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've discovered that she's really sick because this, these religious fanatics don't believe in, in medicine and so they're like oh we'll pray for her to get better better and they're like no dog she's, she's got, got pneumonia, pneumonia. <laughs> like yeah. she's literally gonna die of something that's very curable in somebody her age if we can just get her antibiotics and i think yeah. elizabeth was taking medication for one of her ailments it was just like you yeah bitch. yeah, yeah. Well, you would discover that if you poke around her house when you sneak in there you'll discover yeah. that there's so a lot of hypocrisy there of course 61 yeah. percent of people shared money with jacob but 39 percent kept it for themselves Greedy bastard. Okay, I kept it. But here's Oh no, Stimer. <laughs> here's why. Because I think the point at the point of the episode and when you can give that to him, I wasn't clear on like where we were, like where yeah. me and Daniel were mm. financially or anything. And I I was like, well, I wish that it would have happened later. Like as you were leaving, I probably would have been like, sure, you can <clears throat> or whatever, take it. Yeah. But it happens kind of before you go into the heist. Or not well, I'm gonna call it a heist. Uh before you go to get Daniel back, and I was like I don't know, man. First of all, you brought him here to this crazy cult. Yeah, but you needed he needed to bring him somewhere that where they would keep him alive, right? And not get caught. Yes. But also, how did he think he would not get caught there? They're literally advertising him on flyers. Because I think he knew that the flock was so fanatical that they would rather keep him for themselves than turn him in. That part is true, yes. I'm just saying... Elizabeth is stupid and like eventually the yeah, cops would have been course. like hey wait it's this kid yeah. because we've seen him before she would have yeah. turned and like you can say that thing. you can say his last name is whatever but he fits the bill she was crazy and he came from nowhere and you don't seem to actually have had any children so I, I wish I would have killed her there she are no sex. hospital records of this or adoption papers 
something's a little fishy. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, I do want to kind of go into the final episode. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, we walk away. We've got Sean and Daniel back together. They are reunited with Karen. And we see them, excuse me, like the post credit scene kind of going to New Mexico with Karen to kind of like have a beat with her before moving on to the wall. Yeah, you get separates. to see how she lives <clears throat> or has been living this entire time, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So begins episode five, the final episode called Wolves. And we open up with the guys um, having a little sleepover in the canyon. They I was so confused. Were either of you confused? Yes. When it opens confused. that I'm way? Like, I was like, Karen? Did she drop yeah, the was- off? <laughs> I was like, did Karen abandon us again I immediately? <laughs> and are we thing. just sleeping outside with like, no, f- what is happening? Also, I was like, it'd be cold. It's it cold in the desert at night. Um, but luckily, you quickly discover that you are just outside the camp. And then you get to have this moment where you kind of walk around. And you meet these people. You get to meet Arthur and Stanley. You get to meet Joan. Also, is it Joanne or is it Joan? I feel like Daniel calls her Joanne. I feel like they said Joanne, but they spelled it Joan. <laughs> yeah, same to all that. Pardon me for coughing. Um, how dare you? How dare I? Um, okay, so that's neither here nor there. I thought at this point, quite honestly, I thought a lot of these characters were throwaway characters. I was like, I don't really care to know Arthur and Stanley. I'm, we're on our way. I'm like, oh, cool, we're going to have a nice moment with Joanne or Joan, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. But the humdinger of the episode Britney's talking point says it all. Can I can I tell you how stupid I am first? Yes. So when said character shows up, it took me I was literally here's here was my first thought. Wow, they should get some new character models because <laughs> it feels like they reuse this one and I'm not into it. Really? That's, that's hilarious. That's what I thought at that's first. Hysterical. That was my first thought. And then I realized it is, in fact, Brittany, you want to take it away? Oh, David. So, yeah. So, Karen comes back with groceries with this character named David, who you've only kind of heard hints about if you talk to certain characters and whatnot or snoop around houses. And they're pulling everything out, and you go and you chat with David. And then he's talking about, he's always praising you. And I don't know if he does this if Daniel's a little shit. He's praising you for doing a good job at raising the kid, and you did so good. Trust me, parenting's tougher than combat. And he's talking, talking. I'm like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then he mentioned something about being called a step douche. <clears throat> and then as soon as he said that, I literally, like, Jason was next to me. I go, what? Oh, my God. And then I saw it, and I looked at his face. I was like, holy shit, that's like David, David. And I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, I again, I thought I was like, they just made a character that looked exactly like the stepdad. That's so funny. Sarah. And I just thought it was supposed to be a different person. And then <laughs> once I had that conversation, I was like, oh, it is. Him. <laughs> this makes much more sense. So if you haven't followed, of course, David is the new husband of Joyce, Chloe's mother in Life is Strange and Life is Strange Before the Storm. And he is the only character from the original Life is Strange that we get to see here in Life is Strange 2. But it's a really nice callback. And depending on which ending you picked at the end of Life is Strange will really dictate how you interact and kind of the Easter eggs that you're going to find. So my playthrough was that I sacrificed Chloe to save Arcadia Bay because I was like, listen, not all of these people should die for one person. Like, greater good. I was like, bye, Chloe. It's same. been real. Deuces. Britt, what did you pick? Same. Yeah. Same. So we However, all picked the same yeah. ending. But 
in the game. I don't remember if I didn't select anything or if I failed an import or whatever because the game acted as though I had saved Chloe. So if you did not save Chloe, if you were like the three of us and you uh, uh, told her to, you know, kind of kick rocks into the into heaven, um, <laughs> kick rocks into heaven. Um, That's a pretty band. <laughs> um, you have moments with David where you get to go into his trailer and kind of look at his belongings, and they will be very different. You'll see a photo of David, Joyce, and Chloe on the fridge. Um, you'll see some other things, some other knickknacks of his. He'll talk about how hard it was and why he got divorced because Joyce and him just couldn't deal with the the death of her daughter and it was really hard. And you get to overhear a phone conversation of him talking to Joyce and kind of, you know, having this kind of somber moment. But if you did save Chloe or if you were like Steimer and didn't make a choice, the game auto-chose for you, there's way more Easter eggs about Chloe and Max and you get to see photos of Chloe and Max and there are hints that Chloe and Max are actually living together in New York and you it's get not a hint. He says it on the phone. <laughs> if you listen to the phone conversation that David has, he's, yeah, he's like, I told you New York was crazy. <laughs> um, and it was a really nice moment. I watched, I watched both. Why well, the one I played through, <clears throat> you know, she was dead. So I watched the full scene online. <clears throat> and I thought it was a really nice moment. And I actually asked in the interview we're going to play right after this, I asked, uh, you know, Jean-Luc and, and Michelle, I was like, so is what, do you guys have a canon ending? And they said, no, there is no canon ending mm. for any of the Life is Strange episodes. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. It was really sad because in my playthrough, I also told Chloe to kick rocks into heaven. <laughs> when you get that postcard, <laughs> when you see that letter that, or is it a, I think it's a postcard actually, that he's trying to write to Joyce. And you can see what he's scratched out. And he, yeah. oh my God, so he's sad. like, love David or from David. Or he's like, every. it's just, oh my God. It was just really sad. Um, so what did you ladies think about him making an appearance at all? Do you think it was like cool? Do you think it kind of seemed like a cheap way to redeem the character? Because I know like he wasn't very liked in Life is Strange, right? I don't know that he was redeemed necessarily here. No. I But I did... I was pleasantly surprised to see that they brought somebody back. Cause again, for a minute I was just confused. Um, but once I got over that, I was like, Oh no, they're just like kind of tying these two stories together. I thought it was nice um, to one again, reiterate that this is the same universe mm-hmm. and everything crazy that happened in Arcadia Bay happened. Uh, and then two, again, I don't think he was super redeemable cause he basically tells you to turn yourself in. And I was like, Mm, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, he was always like a staunch, a staunch supporter of the rules, which you know I appreciate. I'm a, a serial rule follower myself, but I think the idea that was it got confusing for me because I was like, so wait, how did David get out of Arcadia Bay? I thought the storm took over Arcadia Bay, and then if you listen to how Chloe is killed, he says that she was murdered by some rich kid at school. Mm-hmm. Which happens in episode two, I believe, of the original Life is Strange. But then, of course, because of Max's rewind ability, you can rewind and then you get through that moment where Chloe is shot in the bathroom or whatever. And so I was like, huh. It was interesting I that always, they decided to go with that. I always thought that that was what was happening. So I always thought, like, <clears throat> Storm is due to you messing with <laughs> time and space. Right. And then 
it, once you decide, oh, actually, no, I need to let Chloe go, it's actually that very first decision you ever use it and or make it. And right. that's where time the timeline is oh, restored. Oh, I guess I never and thought about that way. And she dies when she's supposed to die as opposed to you Manipul- yeah. ult- manipulating. Yeah. So that it, makes sense to me. It makes sense. Okay. And you see Nathan Prescott's photo in his trailer, too. He kept it. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. And, well, yeah, because Sean doesn't know anything about it, obviously. He's like, why does he have this photo in here? This is creepy. And during his phone call with Joyce, you know, he's saying that something about lawyers and he haven't heard it. And then he's about to get out of prison. Yeah. Like, Oh, that little shit's about to get out of prison. Keeping an eye on it as he would. I do like that. They, they kept him fairly, you know, true to his character. Um, regardless of which way it goes. Yeah. He, he does have contact with Chloe and Max if they are alive and together. Um, but it is kind of awkward still. <laughs> and it's him trying his best. And I feel like Chloe might be receptive only because literally everyone else she knows is dead. Yep. So, yeah. and he's the only person that um, would really have. Well, actually, that's not true. No, it is true. Yeah. Sorry. My brain got confused again with the timeline. <laughs> no, it gets real <laughs> so confusing. Yeah. No, it was- I'm glad. I'm glad they did it, yeah. Brett. To, like, to answer your question, I think it's a really nice callback to... You know, don't nods work on Life is Strange to say, hey, don't forget, even though we've told you this is in the same universe and even though, we, you know, the Adventures of Captain Spirit was a thing to kind of tie it together. I think that this really cemented, hey, these storylines intersect. And I thought the way that they handled it was really well done and like it rewarded you for actually like exploring and staying and listening because it's very possible that you could have missed all of those Easter eggs if you never went into David's trailer. Right. Yeah. No, it was cool how he, you know, was so strict, but he's like, here's a police scanner and I'm going to tell you how to illegally cross the border. And I know, Simon, you you said that he encourages you to turn yourself in. I kind of got the impression that he's like, you have a few options. This is like what I'm going to suggest, but you don't have to do this. But either way, I was like, okay, you're breaking the rules, Mr. David, sir. Yeah, he did break them a little bit for you, which was nice. Yeah. But yeah, to me, he, it felt like he was kind of like, well, you can't run forever. So what are you going to do? You may as well just do something now or do it in 10 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I can just not come back here. That's <laughs> what I can do. Okay, well we've got um we've got a little bit more to talk about before we get to the final decision of the game. So um you say your goodbyes to everybody in the camp. Karen sends you on your way. You have the opportunity to have some niceties with her or not. Um and then you set out on the road, and this is kind of where again shit goes sideways, is when you get to the wall and you're like, Okay, I'm gonna have Daniel use his powers to like open up this section of the wall. And this was like Almost like painfully slow. I was like, just get in the car, just go, go. just go faster. Just like, what are you waiting for? Like, why are you and moving also, so like, slow? And also, like, he doesn't need to be in. Like, he doesn't need to be outside to do the force pull <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, right. be in the car. Be in and the be car. Ready to, be ready to <sighs> gun it the minute that he is actually successful why? and gets it open. Why are you? Why are you walking? Yeah, thirty so far feet? away. Thank it's like you. watching. It's Thank like watching you. a horror movie. Yeah, you're like, don't go upstairs. Go out the door. What oh. are you doing? And yeah. so, of course, that was like. And then they're like, we did it. After he does, Daniel, successfully, if you're with your coaching, rips a hole in this wall. Um, they have um, like they have a, a fucking victory moment. And I was like, no, no, you haven't made it. No. You need to cross the border. Standing uh, at this edge of the border does you no good. Get your ass over the I line. Thought, but of course, I thought I was getting a happy ending. I thought that was going to be it because I thought I had done all of the right things, made all oh, the I right knew that, I knew there was no way that it was. <laughs> and then as they're walking away, I was like 60-40. I'm getting a good ending. And then you hear the bullet. And then that's it. 
And I was like, yeah, oh. so that was pretty traumatic watching Daniel get shot. This idea also that these vigilantes, these kind of militia that are, you know, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for here? They are kind of self-proclaimed the border police when in reality right. they have absolutely no they government just backing private citizens whatsoever. Like this idea that this that these vigilantes can just shoot a child is it was Welcome wild to, to me that they made that they made this call and even more wild that the actual border patrol that shows up isn't immediately like you shot a child like you're going to jail so like he he bring they have this altercation he ends up locking them up anyway everybody's locked up um daniel is shot you don't know where he is and then sean has this moment where he meets this couple who got caught border crossing as well in prison this is another really bold moment, I thought, where Don't Nod said, hey, we're just going to go at this head on and make you be uncomfortable with some of the dialogue and with some of the choices that are going to happen with this couple. Um, so you meet them. Their names are... Thanks, Diego and... Yeah, I don't remember. I, don't I didn't remember write down names. both of their names. But essentially, you they have to figure nice. out... Yeah, you have to figure out, you know, why they got caught and this, you had this nice conversation with them about... Carla. Diego and Mar- Carla. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, did you guys... Was there any doubt in your mind about what you were going to do with the vigilantes and what you were going to do with the couple? My no. thought was initially, I do nothing with either of you. <laughs> Just leave <laughs> well, them where they are? Well, so, when every... So, you are being interrogated uh, by the police... Or the Border Patrol... And then you start to hear, you know, you get the, it's the T-Rex trembles that yeah, are coming. Yeah, the lights like, flicker. The lights are flickering. Things, you're like, uh-oh, shit's going down. Daniel's awake. <laughs> <laughs> and so you kind of have that moment. And then as I was, I actually didn't even know you could do any of this because I was so focused on just getting the hell out of Dodge that I didn't stop to take revenge on vigilantes or let these people out of jail. I actually think I looked quickly to see if I could let them out of jail and I couldn't find them. And I was just confused and I just wanted to get out. So I just left, just left everybody. I, I was like, you have, you have to let the conversation, I think between Sean and Daniel occur first where, Sh- where Daniel's like, Hey, who are these people? And then you get the option. Oh yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah. I was like, we go, <laughs> yeah. they are going to come after us very swiftly and very aggressively. <laughs> I freed the couple and I just let the vigilantes alone. Like you guys Same. Just stay in that yeah. cage. I want to kill you, but I'm not going to. Yeah. I was like, you could just stay there for as long as you have to. But like, yeah, I let that couple go. Um, so now you're once again on the run. And this time you're trying to make it actually for the border because <sighs> uh, you're relatively close, but not close enough because turns out the heat is on. So we get to this kind of final moment where you're at the border. But did you ask? Daniel to shoot the officers in the no station. Mm-mm. So I did accidentally because I didn't know that was what the option was. I thought it was going to be like, again, like, flick them away. And then, so I hit it and it was like, Daniel kill them. And I was like, Whoa, what? I, whoa, shit. I didn't want to do that. And <laughs> oh, then no. Daniel's, but Daniel thankfully was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, good. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to do that. <laughs> it was just a test. I was just testing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then I ended up finally like getting something where I knocked something on them. Cause I could, it was, that was a panicky moment where you're, oh, tra- yeah, you're just like, what, what can I throw at them to get them to like go away? Um, but anyways, yeah. So that was, I, that was, I oopsied, but Daniel was good. good I taught boy. him well before. Good that, job. So that's okay. Um, so, uh, what did you do, Brett? Did you, I, well, I saw the prompt above them and it was like, kill. And I was like, oh no, we're not doing that. So I also just flung stuff at them. <clears> and then as they got closer, I had the opportunity to throw them in a room and then put a locker in front of it. 
they were just confined in there. Yeah. Okay, so I want to now go to the final. Yes, <laughs> the final showdown. The final showdown. So, like, you're in the car. You're with Daniel. There's officers all around. I love how around. stupid they are. They're like, we made it. We're going to make it. I was like, in what universe? Yeah. Are they yeah. not guarding the open border? Right. Either drive back to the hole you blew in the wall and hope that they didn't put anybody there. Or, or you're going to have to make a new hole in, in the wall. Mm-hmm. But those are your only two options. You're going for the actual... <coughs> actual border i don't know what you're thinking no yeah i agree i thought that it was i think they clearly were just like yolo full full on panicking right and so they get there and like there's just so many officers i'm like i don't know how this is going to end well so at that point though i was like you know what we just gotta go for it we've made it this far we're not surrendering now and so i pressured daniel to just like we're going we're doing it Hoping that he would just, again, fling them aside and not actually, like, go Terminator on them. Yeah. So did he – what happened? So in my playthrough, um, Daniel was reluctant but did kind of go after a couple of officers. And we gunned it for the border. And um, at the very last minute – he opens the doors and like tucks and rolls out of the car as I'm driving across the border. And I'm like, no. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what happened in mine too. Um, and it was, I don't remember. Was it, I don't remember where in the prior episode, it was the conversation with David, I think where he says, Hey, you know, nothing's going to happen to Daniel because he's a kid. They're never going to send him to jail. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. when I was like, okay, so I'm the only one getting hosed here. Right. Daniel's going to be fine regardless of how this goes down. If I'm surrendering, I'm just spending most of my life in jail. That doesn't seem like a great option. Um, it's not. Spoilers. So that's why I, yeah, I was like, we're going to Bonnie and Clyde this. We're just going to go for it. Or wait a minute. It's Thelma and Louise. This is the cliff. But like, uh, yeah. we're just gunning it. We're going to see what happens. And he was also reluctant in mine. But he, I was like, you're shooting at us. Maybe do something. He was like, okay. Ba-ding. Uh, and then he hopped out too, but which to me, after, after like kind of seeing some of the other options that can happen, I feel is the best one. Yeah. So that's the parting ways ending. And I, <laughs> I did the redemption ending. So this is when you're, you know, Daniel's asking Sean, how does the story end? And then Sean responds and says, I think it ends here. He surrenders, he gets out of the car. And he gives him this big old long speech. I don't know if he does that also in the other endings about, don't forget you're a no. Diaz, how much I love you, I'm so proud of you, don't forget who you are, blah, blah, blah. There's He's, no time for a speech. Oh, no, no, no speech. Yeah, you get a speech. And he stands out, they arrest him, <clears throat> they like share one long look as he's going away in the police car, and then that's when it ends. And then, you know, you get the same sort of montage of Daniel growing up. You know, he gets a job at a barista, he's all graduating high school, he gets a car, he moves out on his own. And then 15 years pass, and because Sean gets convicted for 15 years. And Which is actually kind of low, considering low. everything I, that they've wrecked up over the it's just like, five episodes. I, I have issues with this, too, but we can talk about it in a bit. Uh, and then he leaves, and if you wrote a nice note to Karen, sorry, he, he's done with his prison sentence. He walks out of prison. Karen's there. Um, Daniel is there. This is the ending where Daniel's the oldest. I think he's 23 in this ending. And the other ones, he's 16, 17. And he walks out. They give him a big hug. Of course, Sean, like, looks kind of like Joel from The Last of Us. He has, like, a big scruffy beard and, like, all this crazy hair. And Sean and Daniel go to that 
first park where they stayed on their like right after they escaped. So they're camping out underneath that rock and Daniel's telling this really animated story to Sean. You can tell he's just trying to catch him up on stuff and bumping around and stuff. And Sean just starts breaking down, just starts crying. Daniel wraps his arm around him and is comforting him. And by this point, I'm just like, oh, my God. And then the next morning, they get in the car, they hug, they wave, and they drive their separate ways. And then that's the end. It's crazy how many different ways this ending can go and how the one that I got, I'm definitely happy with. Happiest with, even though the Blood Brothers ending, I feel like I, I could have liked too, was where yeah. they both make it to, to Mexico, which is the original plan. And they have like the Diaz auto repair shop mm-hmm. or whatever. But I like the idea that Daniel gets to have a normal life, that he gets to grow up with his grandparents. And even though he's clearly like under house arrest because he's got this ankle bracelet on, yeah. that he still gets to like, you know, be in America and experience you know, the American way of life and that eventually, you know, he'll, you know, not be under house arrest and that he'll be a free and clear citizen. But I think that there's oh. so much more that you could potentially dig into there because it's like, what does it mean in America to be convicted of a crime, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony, and have to, like, have that on your record and everywhere you go, every job you apply for, it's like a, like a scarlet letter and, like, this idea that what does redemption truly mean? Like, what kind of atonement is enough you know, like what is time served? Like you know, See, I don't... like that. He also has to deal with still like the the racism element of it. Yes. So those two things coupled will make life very hard for him in America. I'm not saying he couldn't, you know, overcome it. Of course he could, but uh, I mean, but yeah, he also. Do- I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where it's like it'll go one of two ways for Daniel. We don't. We know ever really get to see that far in advance. Yeah. But... I don't... See, I don't think baby boys ever getting off i think he's being monitored by the government because everyone saw what he did with those cars so i can't ever imagine a world where they'd be like okay you have supernatural powers and we're just gonna let you wander around right and so that would be my (laughs) ideal ideal ending why not (laughs) if they if they're watching him is he even ever allowed to leave and go visit sean can they have Mm -hmm. that reunion or is he prevented from doing that because of his tracking bracelet you know so there's just no fucking happy ending in any of this and it's just so sad but i think the issue i had with the redemption ending is you know if you go back to the first episode you remember that teaser trailer that life is strange released before that first episode ever came out and you see the events unfold from the officer's dash cam and if you watch that video you can tell clearly tell that like things have been like blown apart you see you hear daniel scream and then things get blown away and it's I think it's kind of obvious that Sean did not kill that police officer. Granted, he did do a lot of other things that he needs to spend time for, probably. But it's just that idea of, is this realistic? I don't know. Obviously not. Like, no one has superpowers like that. But it would have been nice if there had been a universe, maybe, where someone says, let's look at the footage. We reviewed the footage. Or maybe there's no footage to review. It's not really touched on. At least I didn't hear anything. So... No, I mean, that's a fair point. I, I guess I'm just so jaded about where a lot of the um, police investigations are, particularly when it comes to prosecuting crimes from men of color and, like, the fairness that they're actually going to get, even though they are kids, right? But Sean's, like, a teenager. And, and Daniel, I think, was always going to be in a fine position because he was so young when the incident happened that there's a lot of protections in place for kids like that. 
And obviously, like, it wasn't his fault. It just kind of, it just happened, you know? But, like, manslaughter is a crime for a reason. Like, sometimes you don't intend to murder somebody. But, like, sometimes accidents happen and people die. And, like, there needs to be some kind of atonement for that, right? And so it's it's a tough thing to to kind of ponder to be, like, what would have happened if they hadn't run? Like, what would the charges, mm-hmm. final charges have been? You know, would they have been able to get a lawyer to kind of, like, get the judge to, like, talk down what their sentence would have been? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yes. Once you move forward past that, it's like, it's hard to go back. Mm. Right? Because then the minute, which is shitty, it's like such a terrible center to be like, well, why'd you run? You're like, I ran because I'm 16 and scared. And like, I just saw my dad get shot. And then my brother did something weird that I can't explain. So yeah, I left. Like, I don't know what you want. You want me to sit on the curb and like wait (laughs) for more people to come pick me up? Uh, I don't know. know. Don't know what you want from me. What do you want from me? The other ending, the lone wolf one, is really sad. This is where you try to cross the border. Well, you know, no, you don't want to cross the border. Sean's like, no, this isn't us. We're going to give ourselves up. Daniel's like, no, I'm going to make us go. And so he takes control of the car with his powers, drives it across the border. You're getting shot at. And then by the time you cross the border, you know, Daniel's like, oh, my God, we did it. And Sean is just bleeding from the neck. And then he dies. Terrible. Wow. Terrible. And then he goes to Mexico. <laughs> what did you have to teach Daniel in order for that to happen? Probably had to kill the cougar, like keep playing with the scorpion. Hey, I killed the cougar and he was still a regular human being. You were being. good. No, you, you did good. You redeemed yourself. It's okay. But no, I, I thought did. that was depressing too. Yeah. I mean, like there's no doubt that, you know, Don't Nod knows how to do depressing. I mean, we all remember some of the terrible things that could happen in the first game. Um, but I think what I liked about what they did differently this time around with the mechanics, because I know before the first episode came out, a lot of people were like, well, there's no like super mechanic, like with the rewind, but I really was happy with how they kind of played out Daniel's supernatural ability, even though it kind of was left unexplained about where it came from the whole time. But what I did like is this mechanic, this education mechanic where they had very specific events that happened in each episode that went to this idea of this brothership that they have and how Sean is supposed to be teaching Daniel like how to be a a good person and how to be an upstanding citizen like the right and wrong that normally would fall on a parent to teach their child and how they wove that into already the overarching narratives that get tied to your decisions and I thought that that was a really nice elevation of the mechanic that we've seen so far in kind of narrative adventure games. Yeah. But Depressing. any final thoughts? I'm still I'm, thinking about it after I oh, finished it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? So much to unpack. I was I was just happy with with my ending because yeah, you get to see um Sean is with Cassidy and like mm-hmm. they're just hanging out in Mexico. I don't know what they're doing, but they're he's alive and free. He's alive um, and free. So and- that is better than most of these other endings. No, it's way better. He's dead or in jail. Um, And then he and Daniel still have, I think, like, a tiny bit of... He sends a postcard or whatever, sends, like, a letter. But that's all they can really do for now, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, it was really yeah. interesting um, getting to talk to um, to Don't Not about, about this episode and about the season, about like where it's going, because obviously I think Life is Strange is a really important franchise, and I think what they've done with it is fantastic, and we've done a lot of work with them here at What's Good Games and hope to continue working with them. But they were pretty tight-lipped about the future. The only thing that they would say is, if you guys want more Life is Strange, make sure that Square Enix knows. So uh, if you guys are listening to this being like, gosh, dang, I need more. 
Um, tweet to Square Enix. Send them a message on Facebook. I don't know. Write them an email if that's possible. <laughs> write them a very nice um, letter like you can write your mom. Exactly. But we do have a fantastic interview following um, this spoiler cast immediately. So we hope you guys stay around and check that out. I had the opportunity to sit down with the co-creative director, Michelle Coe, and the lead writer, Jean-Luc Cano of Don't Nod, when they were in town for the Game Awards. And it was really nice to chat with him. And um, they have some interesting tidbits that you maybe didn't see coming. So let's go ahead and toss to that interview right now. Enjoy. What's good, everybody? Andrea Renee here with a very special interview. I am with some of the team from Don't Nod talking about Life is Strange 2. Please welcome Michelle Co and Jean-Luc. Oh, no, I'm going to get it wrong, Jean-Luc. No, it's perfect. Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. Cano. Cano. <laughs> Jean-Luc Cano. Yes. Oh, those French names. They always trip me up. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. It's really cool to be here. Heading into episode five, what were some of the things that you guys were really looking forward to seeing fan reactions of? The final episode of, of a big journey like this is always the culmination, uh, I think, of everything we try to tell in the story. Um, so you're right, you, you talked that, you said that they could stay in a way with Karen and they actually did. I think during the, the time between episode four and five, they stayed like uh, around two months with, with her and you still have this time in the beginning of the episode when you can enjoy the last calm before, before the storm or something like that. Uh, but yes, unfortunately, they have to still run away because the police is back after them. Um, I think that for us, this last episode should be where the players see that everything he did over the course of the first, first four episodes, everything he said around Daniel, everything he tried to teach to Daniel will be used and will come back at, at him or will shape Daniel on how he is at the end of this journey. So it's, it's a big spoiler that uh, mm. uh, during this episode, Daniel will get more and more independent and choose by himself based on everything you said and you teach, you taught to him before. Uh, so that was our biggest will, I think, for this episode, is just that the players are get, the, get this idea and discover a version of Daniel that's, that has been shaped by their decision before in the game. I'm glad you brought that up because the morality system that you guys wrote into the game was a bit of a departure from what we've seen previously in Life is Strange. It, obviously, you had to make decisions in every of the episodes of Life is Strange previously, but this time for, for number two, it was really like woven into the gameplay. So Jean-Luc, can you tell me a little bit about why it was so important to you guys from a narrative perspective to really emphasize those morality choices and how they impact Daniel and Sean's relationship? Mm, you know, um, I think because that the main themes of Life is Strange 2 is education. In the first season of Life is Strange, the main theme was the coming of age, becoming an adult, um, assuming its, deci its decision. So that's why the, the, the last choice of the first Life is Strange was... Um, a choice that resumes what all the things you have done before. But in Life is Strange 2, the last choice of the game that you have in the, at the end of episode 5 will depend on your decision, but also about Daniel's reaction and everything you shaped in by your decision, by the choices of your dialogue, by your actions. So um, because of the theme of education is the main theme of Life is Strange 2, we thought about that 
the, the license must depend of these two parameters. So during the, um, the conception of the game and during the production, we put um, some counters on the decision you are going to make as a player. Some of the decisions are more important than others, but most of it, every decision counts, I think. Yeah, it was, it was really a question of, um, you know, the first game, it's more some big important choices where you don't exactly know what will happen and you can rewind and test the outcomes and really play with this rewind power which was really linked to, to Max's personality uh, and with the fact that she had a lot of issues to go forward and to make a stand to just decide for her life. In Life is Strange 2 we tried to see the choice and consequences system in a quite different way where it would be much a bigger number of smaller um, choices, smaller dialogue lines, smaller actions that you can do when Daniel is around you and we really wanted the player to think about how we would act um, um, with Daniel but not really think about the immediate consequences of a choice. It's more about what kind of education am I giving to Daniel. Uh, though there is still some big choices for Sean of course because it's still part of what's of the storytelling and there is moments where Sean is alone or Sean is facing a decision that will impact himself but for Daniel there is tons of smaller choices that impact Daniel over the course of, uh, of all the game um, and you say that you, t you talk about this morality system um, I think we use the word morality as, as a shortcut uh, for, for, for the name of the system mm -hmm. um, but we try to not to never say that there is a morally good or morally bad way to make a decision um, so it's more, and I think the idea of the game is more about do you align with the rules of society or do you make your own, own rules for your own benefits? And this is the kind of idea where uh, we don't have a, an answer of which one is better or, or, or worse and it's more for the player to decide uh, what he thinks is the right thing to do based on the situation, the characters and, and his own beliefs. It's really fully in effect in episode five because the decisions that you have to make have so much weight, especially when you get towards the very end of the episode, really culminating, you know, this the sequel, right? This what's happening with, with Sean and Daniel. And I, it's it's crazy when you look at the way that the decisions kind of domino at the very end of the episode and how intense it gets, especially when you consider the age of these boys, right? Clearly, you know, Sean is the big brother, but Daniel being such a young kid, you know, having tasked with the idea of like, are you going to essentially murder these people at the end of the episode, right? Are you going to like take their lives and for what purpose and for what reasons? It's a kind of a crazy thing for me as a player to stop and think about. You almost have to like press the pause button and go like, this is a really intense moment. Like, what am I going to do? And sometimes I get really anxious in games like this where I have to make those decisions because I'm like, I just want to know what's going to happen both ways. I think what's great about what Life is Strange 2 has done with these decisions is that they mimic real life in the sense that you don't really have a lot of time to think about what you're going to say in a conversation a big decision you have to make you don't get to press pause when you're talking with someone and go let me pause and think about what I'm going to do next right so for you guys as a as a creative team how do you decide what are going to be those really big pivotal moments and what are going to be some more intimate quieter moments in the game do you have a process for that? Is that something you guys, you know, have a collaborative thing? Is there somebody who leads those decisions? Jean-Luc, is that you? 
I wouldn't say there is really a, no. a big process. In fact, like we never say, okay, let's have four or five big moments of choice in an episode. Um, I think it's a bit more organic, looking at what's really the story, the main themes, the story beats and the character arcs, and finding the good moments to put the player into a really complicated choice, uh, in face of a complicated choice, and also the more just subtle moments where you have smaller choices uh, everywhere in the game. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, we begin to, to work on Life is Strange 2 in December 2015, and we've, yeah, a long time ago, four <laughs> years, four years. That's Come crazy. On. Yeah. And um, in the very beginning, we imagined the story with Michel and Raoul, the co-game director, and after that, I'm writing the, the first big draft of the script. We talk a lot about it, and after that, we begin the production of the episodes. And when we are diving into the episode, we sometimes, and a lot of time, added all the decision We have already in mind, because we thought about it, and there are written big, big step into this, this episode, but we added a lot of small decision inside the scenes. The fact that Sean can talk about, um, you know, when Mushroom dies in episode two, mm -hmm. the fact that Sh when Daniel is asking Sean, will Mushroom be in paradise with dad? You have the choice to say, yes, Mushroom is in heaven and she will be okay with that. Or no, there is no heaven or there is no hell. And this decision, uh, this um, dialogues was not in the first draft of the script. But when we are watching the world scenes, say, okay, we are going to talk about religion in the grandparents' house. So let's put one small decision before this to shape Daniel and shape his, um, his answer when he's talking to, uh, to Claire. Yeah, and it's even, there is a lot of um, examples like that, right? And even sometimes just for Sean, and I think it's more for the player, we, we know that we have a scene that uh, we know the big um, how a scene will work and sometimes when we just start to tinker and, and write in deeper detail the scene we really think of what also the players would want to answer um, I mean when you create a narrative dialogue it's more like really uh, we don't want to frustrate the player by never giving them the options they would like to, to give we still have Sean as a character he's still he has his own personality but we try to somehow open his dialogue options to the more logical choice that the player would answer. Um, I think one example is, um, um, I think in episode five, when you're in, um, in prison and you're talking with uh, Diego and Carla, the Mexican couples, and you have um, Luke and Madison, the vigilantes in front of you, this was a really tough dialogue to, to create because... Of course, we have our own opinions about, uh, about the situation, but we also wanted to present um, what's happening to immigrants trying to cross the border and those vigilantes who are real, who are just also sometimes uh, are citizens who want to help the police in a way uh, by, by um, forbidding immigrants to cross the border. And having this dialogue, we, we, we worked a lot, on a lot of back and forth on this di dialogue to try to find the good possible different answers from the player and we also added answers where the player could somehow confront the immigrants also to just to not have only answers that would be okay the vigilantes are bad the Mexican couple are good people because it's always a question of not 
trying to push our own opinion on be always black and white, but also find a way for the player to have some variations, some possibilities to answer in a way that would reflect also his own beliefs. Well, that's very nice of you to say, but those vigilantes were not great people, in my personal opinion, and hopefully people agree with me. Anybody that is willing to shoot a small child with an automatic weapon, probably not a good person. But, I mean, I understand you're trying to be be neutral. (laughs) Yes, because, you know, as creator, our goal by making uh, Life is Strange, Captain Spirit, and Life is Strange 2, as Michel said, is not to give our opinion. Mm-hmm. What we want to achieve is to put the player in front of situation and make him think about it. Sometimes uh, people will change their mind. Or sometimes they will stick to their own um, beliefs, and that's fine for us. Our job is only to put them in front of new situation that maybe not have faced before, and yeah, probably yeah, change their mind or or stick to that belief, and that's with this in mind that uh, what Michel said, we try in dialogues to cover every uh, part of the the answer you can have. Oh, yeah, at least to have some gray, some possible gray areas. And for sure, we didn't give the option to um, to say to the vigilantes that, yeah, uh, you did the right thing. Um, yeah, no, of course not. But I think that what we did is there was some dialogue options that where you could at least try to try to ask why they do that. That was the idea. We, ju- we ju- didn't, didn't want to just have the dialogue option that would be just confrontational. We wanted also to add options that would at least try to go deeper in the subject and get, in a, in a way, get a bit of their point of view. Absolutely, and I think that's so important when we're tackling these really big issues, right? And this whole season of Life is Strange, you know, has so many of them. And immigration, obviously, a big one, particularly in episode five, really on its face. You guys just going right at it, not only like with the wall, just being there, right? But, you know, with the Mexican couple and do we free them or do I leave them in prison? And do I want to have some kind of relationship with them? Were the, Did they do something right or were they doing something wrong? But, you know, each episode kind of tackles its own individual issues, which I think is why your community loves this game so much and why, you know, we at What's Good Games love this, love this game so much. And I think what's really cool about it is that it encourages discourse, as you guys were saying, it encourages players to go, how would I handle that if I was in Sean's shoes, if I was in Daniel's shoes? Like, would I want to take revenge on the person that shot me, you know, or am I going to be the bigger person and walk away? It's, it's hard to say like in the moment what you would do, but I think what's great about the game is that it does encourage discourse and more discourse is always better. So we get some really cool blasts from the past in episode five. Um, I did not expect to see David in this episode and I'm sure the rest, the rest of the fan base is like, what is he doing here? Oh my gosh. Um, so can you guys explain a little bit about why you guys chose to bring him back as a character and kind of where in the timeline in relationship to the original Life is Strange kind of David is at right now? Um, I think that the one part is from the beginning we knew that we wanted to have back a character from the first Life is Strange to create a bound between the two games. From the beginning we knew that Life is Strange 2 is taking place in the same universe as the first season, three years after, and we always wanted to have, you know, Easter eggs and our links. And David is, um, I think we, sh- we chose David for a g- in one part because David can be both alive regardless to your decision regarding to your decision uh, at the end of Life is Strange, 
if uh, if you choose to save Arcadia Bay, uh, David will be saved, so he will be alive. And if you choose to save Chloe, David will be alive because he was in the bunker uh, arresting Jefferson. So that was nice for us. And on the other end, we chose David. Um, you can maybe explain this, but um, um, is a counter voice to, uh, to yeah, Karen. Um, we are, we also wanted the um, the cameo from the first season to work with our story if a player never played season one. So, in a way, David worked really well uh, thematically with um, with the story at this moment. You have Karen who explained to Sean that uh, Sean needs to sing by himself, to uh, go with his own rules, to go up to the end and to live the life he wants to live, which means maybe crossing the border and forcing, uh, forcing the border if he needs to. And on the, on the opposite, David is more of the voice where he said that Maybe that's not your best option. Maybe, maybe you have to turn yourself to the police. Maybe you will, you will do time, but maybe at least you will be free later. This is a, those were the two, basically, they were Karen and, and David were explaining somehow what would happen after your final choice. So it was really interesting for us that even if you don't care about David, you don't know about Max and Crew or Arcadia Bay, this character still has its own place in the story. It was really nice exploring his trailer and finding all the little Easter eggs, the photos of Max and Chloe and, you know, the family photo of, of, of Chloe with, you know, her mom and David together was really nice. And then the phone call. The phone call was <laughs> the best part. So I need to know, is this, though, the canon that Max and Chloe are in New York? Is that is that the thing? Definitively? So, um, to answer this, there is no canon ending. No canon ending. Okay. In Life is Strange 1, uh, the, 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 the both endings are canon, and it's the same for Life is Strange 2. There is no canon ending in Life is Strange 2. But um, when you start playing Life is Strange 2, we, we add this question in the beginning, what was your choice at the end of the first Life is Strange? And if you haven't played Life is Strange, the, um, there will be a random choice. So if you choose to save Chloe at the end of the first Life is Strange, you will have a phone call for, from Chloe. But if you choose to save Arcadia Bay, you will have another phone call, which is canon too, because the two endings... Oh, now I have to look up what this other phone call was, because I'm going to be honest, I did save Arcadia Bay in my playthrough. I was like, they're really cute, but there's so many people in Arcadia Bay. Like, I'm sorry, Chloe, you okay. got to go. But I, that's not the that's not the um, choice I got, because I didn't. I left it blank at the beginning oh, of okay, this so one. Okay, so it was random. Okay. So yeah, you I have didn't the like random choice if, exactly. if Chloe is alive. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's... For the players who saved Chloe, definitely we can say that at, at this moment, having Max and Chloe in New York during this phone call is canon. We just don't explain much more about what they are doing there. But yeah. It's yeah. canon in this ending. It's canon in this ending, in this ending. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a really nice nod to also to some of the events that happened in Before the Storm because, you know, Chloe and Rachel had this plan in Before the Storm to, like, go to New York. Then obviously, you know, didn't work out so well for Rachel um, but um, I thought it was a really nice like moment where players could just stand and listen to the phone call and hopefully people listening or if you missed it because you just walked on by go look it up and listen to it it's a really nice it's a really nice nod to to the original Life is Strange but I do also want to kind of talk about like what's going to happen now you know post Life is Strange, too. So we get to the end of the episode. We knew there had to be some kind of resolution to this police chase that's been happening since episode one. And there's seven different total endings to the game, right? Yes. Um, I haven't watched them all, um, 
but I've watched a couple of them. The whole time, the kind of theme of the brothers have tr- has been trying to stick together and support and encourage each other, and then they ultimately end up apart. And that's like both beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. It's like this idea of like Sean making the ultimate sacrifice ultimate sacrifice for Daniel when really at at first you think that Daniel's making the sacrifice for Sean and then at the end of it it's like well actually you know they almost are meant to be apart and I'm just so conflicted I don't know how to feel how am I supposed to feel (laughs) I don't even think there is one very good ending you said that for for you there is one good which uh, one is it? It's when Daniel ends up with Claire and Steven because he jumps out of yeah, the car. So the two, Shen, yeah, the two of them Shen are trying to cross the border. Yeah. Uh, I think that every ending... So there is four main endings and there is uh, three other variations on top of those uh, four main endings. So it's still some four big storylines and other smaller variations that brings to, to seven endings. Um, but yes, the idea was more like for us there is no really right or wrong ending there is no really good or bad ending it's that every ending the way we worked on them we wanted those to to be a good reflection of the the player's playthrough to what he, he taught to to daniel and it was also important for us to show that uh, in a way um like in in real life i mean um we are talking about characters that have lost a bit of their own possibility of, of full choice because of there is a system around them. So whatever choice you make, there is still... It's just not you. It's just not Sean and Daniel. It's the police. It's the society. It's the world around them that will have an impact on them. So it was important to to never have a good ending because our, our message is also to talk about about, about exclusion, about how it, how it is to face, uh, to face oppression in our world. And yeah, it's... It's one of the realities that at a point you have either to comply with, with the rules of society and maybe uh, make have a big time in jail, maybe longer than what was uh, what he should have had. Uh, so most of this ending can be a bit unfair. And I think it's like it is because it's our like world life. is unfair. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, for you, Jean-Luc, do you, when you approach something like writing multiple endings and trying to figure out what these resolutions are going to be to the storylines, I mean, is there ever a time when you are unsure if you've made the right decision? Well, um, you know, when I'm writing the story, I'm I'm doing it close to Michel and Raoul, so it's not a lonely work. It's a lonely work when I'm tipping it and I'm adding a lot of stuff inside. But we are, we already talk a lot about what will happen then. And the, the, it's also because of the um, episodic structure of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the first draft of the script were written in uh, 2016, I think. And we begin to work in the fifth episode, yeah, in May, in April or May in this year. And we thought about what was the ending. So we have two years and we, we we read it back and say okay we need to f- to make some slightly adjustment you know because we grown up and the game from what was w- uh, written has evolved because we add a lot of stuff so basically w- we stick to the idea of the four endings and but we 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 add and we change some little stuff and it's 
a chance to work with Michel and Raoul closely, the three of us, because we challenge ourselves a lot. Every time it's, okay, we had this, and is it good? Is it bad? And okay, I don't like it, but I like the idea we have to change the, the settings to, to make it the better. And we, that's why we, we, we work so cool together, because we don't have any ego. And sometimes it's hard to, uh, to, um, to, to face this, this stuff, but it's, um, it's, that's what makes the, the, the game better, I think. Yeah, yeah you're right. No, I, I can only imagine if you guys, you know, came to blows over a decision, right, of saying, I think Daniel should do this, and I think Daniel should do this, and then you can't come to a resolution, you know, it could have dramatically changed what happened with the whole story. So it's great to know that you guys have a great writing relationship, because sometimes that, as you mentioned, can be really contentious, especially with creative ideas. You know, people get so invested in their creativity that it's sometimes hard to share that, and so it's it's awesome to hear that you guys, you know, work really well together. Yeah, it's, uh, we, you know, from the beginning, we had this vision and this story about these two brothers, and when we read the first um, uh, the first... Um, uh, oh, meeting notes. Meeting notes of the, the basic idea of Life is Strange 2. We really s I'm really proud that we stick to the vision we had four years ago. And basically, most of the scenes stay the same with, uh, with adjustments, but the, the, the Wolf Brothers are crossing every step we had in mind. So that's, uh, that's really cool. And uh, something... Um oh, we also, of course, are working with a really great team of designers and narrative designers and... Uh, I mean, the f like Jean-Luc said, the, the big steps of the story uh, are still there at the end of the project. But of course, we are mm -hmm. really sharing and, and talking with all the, all the creative talents who, that, that, uh, that are on our team that we're working with and are really happy to work with. And it br they also always bring a lot to a scene. I mean, we arrive, we have this scene, we show them how the scene is, is created and, and then we, we have the feedback like maybe this could work better like this. So it's also... A, there is the three of us, but also a really big creative process with the rest of the team uh, over the course of the of the four years. How many people worked on this game? Um, the whole I team. I think that in a in a peak, it maybe when it was up to sixty. Oh wow, that's and, a lot. Uh, on it was more of of a um, average number of forty five. Forty five, fifty. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little bit? And I'm probably gonna get stonewalled here, but I'm gonna ask it anyway about like what happens next. Is there ideas or plans to hopefully continue something in the Life is Strange universe? Obviously, like no announcements right now, but I mean, it seems like you guys did this phenomenal job creating this whole new cast of characters. I speak for myself when I say I would love to see some of them again because I think there was you know some that didn't have nearly enough time you know we would like to maybe explore some other storylines that's something that you guys are considering or contemplating we know that we want to continue to create game uh, together with uh, Jean-Luc and Raoul and uh, we have a lot of stories and ideas and of sure a lot of great games that we could want to work on and yeah, for, for Life is Strange, it's also something that a question that needs to be seen with Square Enix because it's, yeah, it's, uh, Life is Strange is, uh, uh, is owned by Square Enix. So we'll see what happens with, with that. So everybody start tweeting to Square Enix. Just exactly. tweet to them and exactly. say, I need more Life is Strange. Make Life is Strange 3. Make it happen. Okay, here's the last question. If you guys could bring anybody back from Life is Strange 2 or the original Life is Strange, 
that was either killed or is gone, kind of like a favorite character of yours, who would it be? Who would you guys bring back? To, to, to bring it back in a new game? Yes, just as hypothetical, mm. not a real thing, but just for funsies. I will bring mushroom. Yes, mushroom. <laughs> oh, mushroom gets you her can't own do this. game. You can't say <laughs> this, mate. It's uh, <laughs> no, come on, it's so you. <laughs> no, so she won't be dead. <laughs> And just to be the counter balance, I will bring back Jefferson. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of yeah, course, a, ga not, a game yeah. where you play as not. Jefferson and, <laughs> and Mushroom is your dog. What an yeah. awful game. Let's, let's do that. Amazing. No, no, um, <laughs> I think, no, to be honest, I, w I really love the character of Karen. Yeah, she's an interesting one. I didn't really like her when we first met her, but she grew on me. And then obviously by episode five, you know, her arc has really come a long way. So tell me, what do you, what do you love so much about Karen? Um, I think she was one of the probably the character the most complicated to write because you know um, what she what she has done she she abandoned her, her child and her family and it's yeah it's it's a bad thing but we also wanted to explain her reason and not to be judgmental on her we want to we want so it was yeah a little bit difficult to to have this balance about not judging her, but let her explain what, uh, what was her reason and make her uh, understandable by the player. And yeah, even with her on a, on, a, on a broader level, it was an interesting... There was a lot of topics associated with, with this story with Karen. It's, um, it's a topic about um, how women are treated differently than men in situations like this. I mean, a lot of fathers leave their family and get away with it really easily, easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. when women they are done it's finished and nobody wants to talk to them anymore because it's the role that society wants to put on women that they have to be mother where men it's okay don't have to be fathers and it was something and this idea and Karen tells a lot about that about how our society forces us in different roles and be it uh, women or I mean in each kind of uh, of culture and and different uh, different way we are we are pushed in a way in 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 a pre in a role that someone wants to push on us and it was important for us to talk about that and to s show so that sometimes you are forced or you think you are forced to do something and then if you just think to have regrets it's maybe also not too late to change even if something were done so There was a lot of topics really strong, really important that we wanted to deal with with Karen. It was a lot of back and forth uh, together and with, uh, with our narrative designer and uh, just to see how, how we could shape her and make her sounds true and present those topics in a way that were not force-feeding them to the player. So yeah, it was, it was quite, quite complicated, but I'm really happy with the way uh, she, she yeah, ended it. And yeah, that's why, yeah, probably I... If I have to choose one character, I would bring her back. Well, good choice. We can do like a, a buddy comedy with Karen and Mushroom. It'll be <laughs> great. <laughs> Perfect. Bring them back together. Mushroom, the, zomb the zombie dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jean-Luc, Michelle, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been a wild ride in Life is Strange, too. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Too. And, thank um, you. Don't forget, guys, you have to message Square Enix because we need more. We need more Life is Strange in our lives.
Big thank you again to Don't Not for taking the time to sit down with me. It was great to see uh, Michelle and Jean-Luc. We hope you guys enjoyed the spoiler cast. Of course, we want to hear what you want to say about it. Uh, Don't tweet to us, though. We want to keep it private for people who don't want to know. But do leave us a comment um, on the YouTube video. Or you can always go to patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames and leave us a comment there as well. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.